eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to start in Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. He'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecock, the show. Built by the Barnabinium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Columbia Studios. Signorama, the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks located in West Columbia, South Carolina. 
course, owned and operated by a Gamecock alum and fan, of course, Matt Vaughn, Sinorama.com, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and built by the Barn Doco, the barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home uh, for as low as 160 bucks per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. JC, just fresh off of JC and Morgan. If you missed it this morning, it was really, really good. Mike will be here a little bit later on, as will Brad Crawford from 27 Sports. Uh, in a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by Hale McGranahan, Phil Molinax, of course, here at Master Control, steering the ship through the gale and the hail and the whatever else is going to go on out there and the weather that is now sweeping into South Carolina. Be careful. It's getting nasty. And there are tornado warnings up and down uh, through Georgia and Florida making their way here into South Carolina. So uh, any of you that might be in where I am or up there where Phil is or in the Midlands, of course, or all across South Carolina, uh, take a peek out the window before you go cruising around. Last night, Michigan wins the national championship 34 to 13 over Washington. I'm sure everybody here stayed up and watched it early on. It looked like it might might get a little out of hand, but uh, Washington able to guys kind of climb back into this thing and and hang in there. And and really in the, those middle two quarters, the second and third, there were a couple of plays that they just flat out missed on. Had they hit them, could have been looking at a totally different ball game. Uh, and, and Michael Penix was, I, I would call him off compared to where he's been throughout the year, which is on. Uh, he 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 did not. He just didn't didn't have it last night in the ball game for the most part and in some of the plays that they really needed him to have it in. Uh, but that, that run game, that run game is pretty good for Michigan and they are able to ground and pound for 303 yards, four touchdowns. That is an eight yards per carry average against Washington in the national championship game. And uh, Jim Harbaugh has got the, got the title. Uh, so congratulations to him. Naturally today, JC, the national media has spent all of their time, discussing paying players with Jim Harbaugh as opposed to, you know, talking about college football. God bless Dennis Dodd and some of these other guys out there that just cannot, for whatever reason, get out of their own way. Uh, but uh, the 2023-2024 uh, college football season is now in the books, and we'll look ahead to uh, what is to come in 251 days or something like that. The countdown is already on. Of course, tonight the Gamecocks got a big game. Alabama and Tuscaloosa can Carolina – Get to 14-1, and 2-0 in the league. We'll talk a lot about that, and we'll put a wrap on the year of college football that was. We hope all of you are in the Nanosports chat box, and we hope you'll stick around over the next couple of hours. I know that was a lengthy speech, but good morning. Good morning. Good so morning. we have yeah. – we have we really do have Hale. You can go ahead and plug Hale McGranahan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Hale coming into the state via a, a, a brutal storm and tornadoes and rain and wind very summer-esque around here when we're dealing with uh, tropical moisture and tropical systems and things of that nature. And then up there in, in uh, Chicago, uh, JC, how much, how much snow are you under, dude? Man, it's, it started two days ago and it's kept snowing. It's still snowing. Um, it's not up to the mailbox yet, but I might have to go blow it. Oh God. Here after I get off, that's why, you know, I've been putting it off. That's why I normally kind of take a little break between JC and Morgan and the show. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just change hats and rock and roll. Much better be talking ball than, uh, than out there. But, uh, yeah, I'll be out there shortly. Um, got to get the, the old snowblower cranked up. I hope it, 
it's kind of one of those things. It sits for – we didn't have much snow last year. I don't think we cranked it up once last winter. Hmm. So it sits, and so you got to kind of, I don't know, prime the hue or, or, or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Prime the pump. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Hey, Hale. What's up? Or I'm sorry. Is it Dashon or Dash Dashon? Deshaun Golson. Deshaun. He was a safety for the 49ers when, when Harbaugh was the coach there. And okay. he, he just killed people, knocked, knocked heads off quite literally in one NFC uh, division game against the Saints. But he also played his college ball at Washington, so I thought it would be fitting to uh, throw that old Creative. Okay. Game Quantrill, it was borderline trash. It got interesting for a minute, but I was I was disappointed with how how that thing went. Missed a couple of throws. Uh, that that one uh, to Rome Adunze, who was he was wide open. There's no reason to miss that throw, uh, mm-hmm. especially for a guy of his ability. He he's a very good quarterback. Clearly, he's hit that throw all year long. It, had he hit that, it would have changed things. Um, but he didn't. And they they dropped a fourth down pass later on. Remember the ball hit the kid in the hands. Would have run right across. Dropped it. That ball it would have kept yeah. the sticks moving. Uh, those were the two I think big plays that just kind of you could feel the air come out a little bit. And and Michigan is Michigan is guys. They're really good and they're really well coached and they deserve to win the national championship. That was hats off to them. What do you think, Hale? Yeah, for sure. That's what you get with the team that's completely bought into its system and way of thinking and and some of that corny stuff that that people make fun of these days like Harbaugh does all that that stuff in spades and and he's got a program full of guys who who buy into it and believe it and and they execute probably better than anybody else in the country at least that was the case this year that those first couple of touchdown runs last night were I mean they weren't just mauling guys and pushing guys over and and them they were just blocked up and it was really clean and they 40 plus yard runs and felt like the game was over at that point for me. Yeah. yeah why, why she didn't, when they got a touchdown right before the half, I was like, eh, my under's not going to hit and turned out it hit. Um, I, I just, I think they had their opportunities, man. Uh, it, it, in a game like that. And we've seen this in college football guys. It's like, with the exception of 2019 LSU and then 2020 where nobody played defense and Bama was that go up and down the field. And, and I think we thought at that time wrongfully that the game was going in this high flying big 12 football style direction. But the last three champions have been like death machines. Yeah. <laughs> they have nothing close to those types of teams. They're big physical defense, run the ball, uh, good play calling, uh, tight formations, pro-style offenses, <laughs> big offensive and defensive lines. Those are the last three champions. Uh, so I think that uh, rumors of the death of defense and, and the run game in college football have been greatly exaggerated. Absolutely. And just like just like that Oklahoma-Georgia game in the Rose Bowl a few years ago, these teams that just want to outscore people, yeah, they can put points on the board against just about anybody. Uh, but it's not going to be enough because they're so weird on defense and, and they're they're so not defensive-minded that they they end up – the other team's offenses are running all over them. Now, I'll give Washington's defense credit. They they buckled down, hunkered down, if you will, since they call themselves the dogs. 
but uh, for two quarters, and and then by the end it was just leaky, and they were they were worn down because their offense couldn't get anything going. But um, you know that's kind of what happens. Uh, everybody, every, the national media, those ones that can't get out of their own way, they love a good seventy-two to fifty-five football game. Uh, they don't like man ball, <laughs> but man ball is back. Uh, if you look at the last three national champions. Was that for yeah, they, oh. they, uh, the Michigan run game? It, it's uh, obviously Blake Quorum has been a guy he's in really for the last like six seasons. It feels like he's been there forever. Uh, but those those runs, Donovan Edwards, were electric. That, that was that was impressive to see, um, from him because I guess it was a little unexpected, he hadn't been playing all that well. Uh, I think it's what they were talking about last night. And I, I hadn't followed Michigan as closely as a, a lot of people listening. Um, that's um, the unfortunate part of going and covering football games for a living is you don't get to watch a lot of college football on Saturdays because you're busy watching one game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, seeing Donovan Edwards break off those two runs, I, he to me, he looked like the most explosive player on the field last night, not a Dunzier or Michael Penix or – Blake Coleman even. Um, but I guess Phoenix Dunn missed a couple of those throws, and maybe that's a different story. Um, but, but yeah, they, that run game was impressive. And if you try to localize that, maybe uh, something South Carolina folks can can get excited about with all these new running backs and Lenore Sellers and, and maybe seeing, seeing an offense that uh, is a little more run-oriented moving yeah. forward. Yeah, uh, that's right where I was taking that. I mean, look, you, you and J.C. both, you know, bragging on the run game and the physicality of the Wolverines. I mean, it, it just goes to show – and, like, those running backs are really good, but, like, put Blake Corn behind what Carolina had to run behind this year. What's the year look like, you know, for him? I mean, I mean it, it's it's it, it just goes to show you that lines of scrimmage, if you want to win anything uh, substantial in college football, you have got to be good up front. And, you know, you go back over 10 years now to when South Carolina – was in their heyday, and why were they good? Yeah, they had great players. Yeah, they had Steve Spurrier. They had great quarterbacks. You got it. They had all that stuff, but they were really good on the lines of scrimmage. And that's where Michigan was. I mean, look, Michigan. Did y'all see Michigan's defensive tackle like shove the guy ten yards backwards? And I mean, the offensive line last night. Some of those. The reason the guy wasn't Edwards and Corum and those guys weren't touched in the first quarter is because they couldn't get touched. It's not like they were just. You know, lightning quick running around everybody. They were. They, they, I mean, they did see they had some holes. They made some nice moves, some nice cuts and things like that. But also, everybody's being shoved to one side. So they just ran the other way. So, I mean, like, if you're South Carolina or literally any college football team known to man, that's how you do it right there. Like, recruit those guys. And it's just that easy, Hale. You just go recruit the best guys in the country on the line of scrimmage. You don't let anybody else sign them. Only you can sign them, right? Yeah, then you got to make them big, mean, and nasty, and willing to to do that every day, and and make that your identity. That's that goes back to what I was saying about Michigan. It's like there that is a truly a bought in program from that standpoint. I mean, think back to 2017, where Michigan football was getting beat by South Carolina in a bowl game in Tampa. South Carolina looked pretty good that day, right? They they played awesome in the second half, but the two programs have gone in pretty different directions since then, and and you know, credit to Jim Harbaugh, who's one of the best college football, one of the football coaches, not just in college, just football period, one of the best coaches in the game. And uh, I guess 
it'll be interesting to see where where he's at next season and whether Michigan can um, keep it rolling or not. You think he's back? Y'all think he returns? I mean, he's just spent 20 minutes talking about paying players moving forward and and unionizing and all this stuff, all the all the juicy crap that all these national guys couldn't wait to get their hands on after this ended. You know, not like. You know, how about your players? Let's talk about J.J. McCoy. No, let's talk about unionizing college football players. That's what we want to do the morning after the national freaking championship game. Way to go, Dennis, and all these other nimrods that get out there and just beat their chest about how much they know all the time. Drives me up the wall. So you spend 20 minutes doing that this morning, but how can we continue to screw all this up for everybody? Unionizing. Don't even ask the players who say don't unionize, by the way. Only talk to the people that say do. And then at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh might haul tail for the NFL. So do we think he stays or goes? I think he's out. I agree with I that. Yeah. I think there's I think something they're... to be said for going out on yeah. top. And I, I, I think he wants back in the it. NFL. Yeah. I, look, my man lost a Super Bowl to his brother. That's got to suck. All right, that yeah. sucks. I mean, <laughs> it, it sucks to lose a Super Bowl. But you lose it to your brother, man. I mean, you know, and and look, he's a proven coach at that level. Hell, you're a 49ers guy. How good were they when he took over? They they were awesome. I have my favorite 49ers team, <laughs> favorite 49ers teams to watch in my 39 years of watching the 49ers. They, they sucked, awesome. but they were terrible. <laughs> they were the worst the 49ers have been since I've been alive. Yeah. And he marches right in there and has him in, just gets him in a Super Bowl. Just boom. The guy coached the University of San Diego. Not, and this is what I love about Jim Harbaugh. My man paid his dues. Mm-hmm. He could have been one of these born on third base people. His dad was a college, well-known college coach, Jack Harbaugh. He could have gone and coached at Michigan with whoever, or, you know, easily. Any coach, anybody would have hired him as a quarterback's coach or something like that. Spent one year as quarterback's coach of the Raiders. Took the job at the University of San Diego. Not San Diego State, not where Marshall Falk played and all those guys. San Diego, uh, mm-hmm. a buddy of mine that worked with me at Rivals.com played football there. It is not what you would call a uh, athletically dominant place. It's a high academic school. They have trouble recruiting. It's a D2 school. When I was at Rivals, we started paying attention to it because San Diego, the Toreros started winning. They go into the playoffs in D2, a bad D2 job. So then he goes to Stanford. Less talent there than at San Diego, probably. And I'll never forget him marching into the Coliseum when Pete Carroll had SC at its heyday and beating them by a point and talking smack afterward. Built Stanford into a powerhouse, weren't quite good enough to win a title. Took the 49ers to a Super Bowl, goes to his alma mater. Yeah, it took a little longer than I thought because Michigan's the best situation he's ever taken over. And now he has them winning their first outright national title since the Harry Truman era. Yeah. All right, the northernmost team to win it outside of Ohio State in since Penn State won it in the early eight, in in the mid eighties. I mean, it's unprecedented that those schools win national titles these days. It's rare, mm-hmm. uh, unless you are Ohio State. But uh, I think the guy, you know, I think there's more to be accomplished. He's sixty years old. I think the timing's perfect. He almost took the Vikings' job. The Vikings didn't give it to give the job because they didn't want him. He's probably weird on the interview because he's probably a weirdo. <laughs> he seems weird. and we need, But we need more weirdos in this sport, dude. And I pull for the weirdos. And I pull for Jim Harbaugh. And uh, I think oh, the guy yeah. 
I think I think the guy could do it, you know. And somebody asked me if Jed Fish would be a candidate at Michigan. Probably, but I, I also think I, Brian Kelly I, would want that job. And I think Kalen DeBoer, the guy he beat last night, would want that job too. I think Michigan could go hire a, a big time guy. It's a the 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 Harbaugh family is is really unique. It really is a neat story. It's it's one of the great football families in the history of this country. Um um Hale. I, I go back to so back in 2017, remember when the Gamecocks beat them in the Outback Bowl? Muschamp beat Harbaugh in Tampa, for those that need reminding of that, that ball game. Nine, uh, nine and four season down there for Will in his second year at South Carolina. That night, Hale, when Michigan went back to Ann Arbor after losing to the Gamecocks for the second time in eight Five years, years, seven years, six years yeah. in Florida. Yeah. Did anybody think that in 2024 Jim Harbaugh would still be around? No, because somebody somebody in the chat, I can't remember who it was, pointed out how they wanted to fire him three years ago. Remember they redid his contract and he <laughs> took a significant pay cut to, just so he could keep his job. They took like four million dollars from him. Yeah. 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 So no. Because <laughs> yeah, he had a, he had a bad year during the pandemic. Like that was, yeah, not it was a, two and four. They were like two and four. They they were not good. They had all kinds of problems. But but I mean but but the thing is though, JC, like you you've said this a thousand times. The Big Ten screwed them. They screwed everything up that year. You know, like who cares? Yeah. Kevin who, who Warren, really who's cares? now the president of the Bears, who's a genius, wanted to <laughs> he unilaterally cancel college football that year. And of course, the Pac-12 went along with whatever the Big Ten said. I, I bet they feel just terrible. I bet they're like, man, those. SOBs. <laughs> uh, you know, luckily the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 were like, hold on a dang minute now. <laughs> Our scientists are saying something a little different, you know. And uh, the season was – that was a rough season for a lot of teams. It was a challenging <laughs> season. Challenge to get the season in. But but there's no reason why they couldn't have played. There were no issues with mass anything. Was it? And so, so it turns out the other leagues were right. Uh, and um, that threw a lot of teams off. Uh, Ohio State, I think, secretly continued to practice <laughs> in the hopes yeah. that that they would they would get to play. But yeah, I mean, he screwed it up. But and they were ready to run him out of town because he hadn't, you know, Ohio State looked like they weren't going anywhere. He couldn't beat them. And then all of a sudden, two years ago in Ann Arbor, it flipped on a snowy field. They won the game, and then they went to Columbus and beat their face in in 2022 and then they held on and beat them this year so that's three in a row that game means so much to those fan bases man now ryan day is on allegedly on the hot seat well and that's where i was going with this though but see why right like hey they gave him nine years to, and he won a national championship had they made a coaching change maybe they would have won one with somebody else i don't know but we don't we don't know that that's a hypothetical question i i mean like this is going to be something we're going to talk about today with all of our guests. Brad's coming up. We got Mike Morgan coming up as well, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna dial this in for you with South Carolina. These are two totally different things here, right? Hale, we're talking about the Michigan Wolverines and, and their history, the most wins all time in college football, uh, multiple national championships. They just won another one, but we are seeing the hiring and firing clock turn a lot faster these days, right? In college football. And anytime you don't have a satisfactory record for the fans, I mean, the fans have wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh every single year. Does anybody realize he has not won a bowl game since the first year he was at Michigan until this year? 
He was one yeah. and six in the postseason coming into this season before he went two and zero here in in the college football playoff. And so, like the Ohio State situation, like you're just going to can Ryan Day after when I mean, they gave Jim Harbaugh nine years and won a national title. When you when you look at things like places like South Carolina where there are zero expectations to win a national championship, it's really more about like get us to eight nine wins and let's see what happens from there. I mean, you 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 wonder if that if that formula of we're going to give this guy this is Michigan we have the highest of the high when it comes to standards, but we're going to continue to give him his time and let him do what he needs to do. You wonder if that data point will be used at places like Columbia, South Carolina as they make decisions moving forward about coaching. I'm not saying – I'm not talking about Shane Beamer's hot or anything like that. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just saying that if they go 6-6 six and six next year or 7-5 and five or something like that, there's a new data point here that says you give a guy 10 years at a, at a good school, you can win a national championship. What if you give a guy 9 or 10 years at a school that's not expected to win national championships? Can he go 8-4 and four and 9-3 and, and three every other year and things like that? I, I don't know. Gary Patterson told me one time, the coach at TCU. I was actually we'll talking to, to him on talking to him on Twitter because he has a country got a country album out. We used to converse sometimes, and it was one summer, probably summer twenty eighteen. It was before he lost his job, and we were kind of talking about giving coaches time. And he was like, hey, "You know, I I think just about anywhere with resources, if you give a coach enough time, he's going to win. You know, unless he's just a terrible coach." And he's like, "Most coaches don't get those jobs if they're terrible." Um. And you look at some examples. You know, Clemson was very patient with Dabo Sweeney. Uh, they were winning more than I think we thought they were in Columbia because Carolina was beating them every year. Uh, they were winning the ACC and the Orange Bowl and everything else and building on that, recruiting, building facilities, those types of things. It's like the Death Star, right? And we were like, ah, that battleship is not fully operational. Oh, is it? You failed to – you underestimated them. Anyway, um, and so – you know, I think there's something to be said for that. But in this day and age, you know, the people that run athletic departments and Coach Tanner is, is not one of those types. But, you know, sooner or later, he won't be the guy anymore. And there'll be a politician that's in there. Uh, what do politicians do? They stick their finger in the wind. They see which way it's blowing and they make decisions accordingly. They have no conviction. I mean, and, and that's that's your modern athletic director, right? All of you that want to kick Ray out on his behind end, you know, you're going to get something worse. And so they panic and make decisions based on things like social media. You know, why, that's why Mark Stoops, in the, even Ross Bjork, who like looks like yeah. he works out with Ed Hockley, by the way, the, 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 the man's man AD at A&M, devil be damned, Aggie spit in your face, Ross Bjork. Stuck his finger in the wind. So I can't hire Mike Stoops. Mark, Mark Stoops. I got to go hire Elko, which he probably should have hired Elko to begin with. That was kind of dumb to want to hire. I mean, but you know, that was, it was a, it was a mini Shiano thing. And, and so these guys, they're not going to give a guy a bunch of, uh, of chances. And, you know, then you got your boosters, your money people that enough's enough. Hey, enough's enough or I'm not going to give you the money I promised. And, and that happens at places too. I mean, but the way our society is, you know, it's not, I mean, Harbaugh's lucky. And I think it's just because of this guys, because ever since Lloyd Carr hand, hand, hung it up, Michigan's gone through like a lot of coaching cha- that it backfired. Uh, namely Rich Rodriguez, who everybody thought was this great hire lasted three years. And then Brady Hoke was just a decade, almost a decade of mediocrity. 
and they're falling further and further behind Ohio State. Ohio State makes a caged animal hire 10 years ago, and Urban Meyer wins a national title in two. Michigan made their caged animal hire shortly thereafter, and it took Harbaugh a while, but there was nobody better Michigan was going to get. None. And that's Michigan. And it worked out. So, yeah. congratulations. Hey, Bruin Nation here in the chat box said exactly where I was going with this is generally after five years, you can kind of tell, right? Even if they go seven to five. Let's go back to 2009. Um, and I know you weren't covering the Gamecocks at that point in time, but there's a lot of people coming into the 2009 season that thought that Steve Spurrier just couldn't do it here in Columbia, even with all the upsets he had in 05, 06, 07, even though 07 didn't end well. 08, they were they had a good team in 08. They just couldn't crack through some of those tough games. And then, you know, 09 was kind of wishy-washy until what happened at the end of the year. They beat Clemson, right? And then they turn they they get going from there. You know, and then you fast forward to Shane Beamer. We're just through year three here with Shane Beamer, and people are questioning whether he should or shouldn't be on the hot seat next year because they missed a bowl game this year. Knowing what we just discussed about Jim Harbaugh and spending nine years before he did what he did, and and Steve Spurrier took him six seasons to kind of get where he needed to go here. Dabo Sweeney, you covered Dabo at Clemson and those type things. With all those data points we have and having this conversation, how do you evaluate the Gamecocks program and the expectations over the next couple of years? I'll say this. Anybody who thinks Shane Beamer should be on the hot seat after going five and seven this season clearly did not want him to be the head coach before he was hired. So that's – I mean, that's just kind of silly to me. You, you've got a team that overachieved in the first two seasons and uh, the first sign of a step in the wrong direction, it's like let's blow it all up and start over again. That that just that to me is clearly what's going on there. I mean, going back to what you're talking about and taking time and, and giving time to a coach. I mean, if if you're Michigan and you've got Jim Harbaugh who took a team to a Super Bowl, has a fantastic track record as a college football coach, played quarterback at your university, like. <laughs> you probably want to make sure you get it right with, with a guy like that. And no offense to Shane Beamer, but he's not Jim Harbaugh. So we're, yeah. that's a, uh, an apple and orange comparison. But I, I do think generally with football, five years should be an appropriate measuring. Where are you at at five seasons and go from there? And, you know, not everything's going to be the same. Like we, we won't know what, the Shane Beamer resume looks like after five seasons until we get through year four and, and into year five. So there's still, you know, plenty of time for that to, to sort itself out. But yeah, I, I am of the opinion that five is, is kind of where, where you need to get to, to give yourself an accurate uh, measurement or, or a reading of, of where things are at. And, and maybe you go from there, or maybe you have an idea get as you get closer to it. But, but I think there's, there's still so much left to, for for this program to kind of sort through before See, who's lasted uh, longer than five around here All right so yeah. joe moore joe morrison lasted longer than five well so and and also but it's a, it's an apples and oranges conversation because you've got the transfer portal now so you have like isn't that a double-edged sword hail like and i want you to get into these players too that they have just signed and, and maybe fill us in on some some quarterback recruiting because i know they clearly have to sign one of those at some point in time right but yeah. like you know it's a double-edged sword because you you know fans administrations jc pointed out a minute ago you're talking about board of trustees things like that we can just go to the portal and flip it over within a year or two 
Yeah, but you can also lose a lot of guys within a year or two. So kind of watch yourself <laughs> out. It, it, it's a conversation we've never had before, so I don't think we really know what to expect. Yeah, I, and just honestly, that's uh, people. It's the right thing, but but you got to be fair to accomplish these. When you're talking about humans, like it's never going to be perfect. It's going to. That's all the cliche. What I'm just now saying, but I just, anybody who's who's in a rush to make a decision. Uh, going into year four to me is just, uh, that, that's just a little thought. It's like Savannah, which doesn't have a lot of success, isn't a stretch of the imagination. So you want to give yourself the best chance possible to this thing can work. And, and you know, if you don't see it that way, then then that's your prerogative. But, but to me, uh, it's still football. It still takes time to build teams. I mean, if, if you want to of what South Carolina should strive for, it's Washington and, and what they've done to build that team into what it became this season and, and using the transfer portal and not just saying, let's let's make it a year-to-year, try to make it a couple-year type of build to where you, you get some guys in, you staff something, and they're a good enough to compete. And in the 12-team playoff era that we're – and now you've got an even better chance to give yourself an opportunity to, to go play on that app. I think it would be wise for, for anybody, not just South Carolina, but for anybody to say, Hey, it can be turned around. It, it's maybe not happen as quickly as a snap of a finger, but maybe a couple snaps of fingers and a little bit of luck, you can get there. And, and what that's going to look like for South Carolina this year, who knows? Uh, you know, maybe th- this is the start of building something uh, moving forward. And a lot of that's going to be dependent upon what happens with the quarterback. We we all are excited about Lenore Sellers and, and what he could be uh, down the road um, because he's got a lot of talent. And, and that's really where this conversation is going to have to go moving forward is is uh, what what he's going to be able to do with this program. Because clearly he it, it's his and, and – that's how it's going to be moving forward. Yeah. I mean, the coaches that have lasted around here, uh, very few of them. Uh, Jim Carlin lasted seven, okay, and his best years were five and six, including a Heisman Trophy season where George Rogers won it. And then Clemson won the national title in 81. He went six and six and lost to Hawaii at the end. <laughs> and he got canned um, mm-hmm. and replaced by Richard Bell for a year. Joe Morrison yeah. lasted six years, five and six were really his two of his better ones. He had a really good year two and then dipped. Uh, and then he unfortunately passed away. Lou dipped in years four and five, six rebounded, got back to a bowl and then retired. And then Spurrier, like we mentioned, did not have a breakthrough year until six when he won the SEC East when they got Lattimore. Uh, before then, it's seven to five, eight and five, six to six, seven to six, seven to six. Uh, and, and you mentioned the trajectory in year five, guys. That year five under Spurrier, you know, they beat Mississippi, Ole Miss at home. Ole Miss was ranked fourth in the country. 
sand the birth of sandstorm during that game. Uh, I remember they played uh, Florida, who had beaten them fifty six to six the year before uh, in a nationally televised game, uh, and it was a fourth quarter ball game. You know they were very competitive in that one. Then of course they beat the ACC Atlantic champion Tigers uh, at home, and that kind of even though they went and lost to Connecticut for some reason in the frozen pizza bowl, that got everybody going and the trajectory was there because you had a lot of more that you were recruiting at clowning down the road. Uh, Stefan Gilmore was a freshman. You could kind of see it turning. Um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I kind of look at it and uh, I, I, I don't think that, these days, at most schools, you survive back-to-back losing seasons in, 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 unless it's your first two years someplace and it's a major rebuild. Uh, so I do think it's important for Shane to get back to a bowl. Do I think he needs to go to the playoff next year to keep his job? Hell no. Uh, I think I think you've got a lot of good young players in the program now. Uh, that, that you know they need a year. They need a year like '09 where they have some success. It's a good year. Maybe you beat Clemson again. Um, get to a bowl and then uh, and then keep building. You know, I think that's kind of the key uh, with all that. But you're right about the portals change things in a lot of ways. But it also it just basically means more transition. I don't know. I, I don't know that we know enough now about it to know if it's going to make it fundamentally across the board harder or easier to, to turn a program around. I, I I don't know. You know, because you're losing a lot of guys and get I mean, And so who are those guys that you brought in are going to be upgrades? We know we kind of can guess. I mean, I guess Kamara and Knight are going to be at least faster than pup and stone, but I yeah. don't know that. I don't mean, I don't know that for sure. So that's, that's one of the interesting things. So it's going to be interesting. Hey, what's uh, what's the latest on the record? I know last night, the VIP room you, you, for those that are members of the big com, which you all should be FYI. But if you're not, you didn't get a chance to read it. Uh, what's the latest on uh, portal recruiting from the quarterback position? I apologize if my internet is is choppy. I, I've seen some comments, so you, you can't uh, control the weather, Hale. Some people just don't know what to do except complain. It's all right. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't no, I mean I can't control the weather when I'm when I feel like it. But it's not today. We all uh, quarterback. <laughs> quarterback. Uh, don't know a whole lot for sure right now. There, there have been some guys we know they've talked to. Jordan Cloud, who's played at uh, places, most recently James Madison, Arizona, and USF before that. He's been in touch with the staff. Davis Bevel, who's originally from Greenville, has heard from the staff. He's at Pittsburgh and, and is transferring current from Oklahoma. Um, McLeod has much more extensive resume. He put up some, some great numbers last year, James Madison. Um, the talented player. He's been in college football since 2018. I mean, he said that three's played eligibility remaining. I, I don't know if he's going to be a guy who wants to go somewhere he knows for sure he can play or not. So that I think that's going to be a continue to be a thing um, for, for anybody and, and obviously been a factor for South Carolina to this point find another uh, for this. The, the kid from Greenville, uh, JC, you kind of made a mm, – who – I don't – I'm not aware. Yeah. I, I know he's been playing college football for a while and he's bounced around. I don't know Fun. much about him. Can you all feel it? He's about 6'5", uh, 
not very mobile uh, pocket passer. I was uh, – you weren't at that game. You decided not to make the trip to Kentucky. So, remember when Texas beat Oklahoma 49 nothing two years ago? They trotted Davis Bevel out to play for Oklahoma. I was shocked because I knew he'd gone to Pitt, and he's kind of that Max Brown. Remember Max Brown played at Pitt, big, tall, lumbering type of guy? I just don't – I don't see it, man, not even in his emergency. I'm sorry. And I he played at Greenville High. I, my apartment was right there at Serene Stadium. I overlooked, watched him play several times. Uh, I thought Pitt was about as good as he could do. I, I, I was shocked Oklahoma took him. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I would, I would try to find somebody else. I mean, even a walk on. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not trying to bash that kid. I mean, because I'm sure he's a nice guy. But man, oh man, that uh, Oklahoma. Te- oh, oh, I mean, when's the last time Oklahoma and Texas have shut one another out? Shut them out. And it was because they didn't have a quarterback except Davis Bevel. It just didn't work out too well for them that day, guys. Yeah. Uh, and so I just I, – I, I read that today and I, I, I kind of raised an eyebrow. But, but look, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know a, that there's much happening there, though, JC. So I don't, yeah. I don't want folks to think that he's yeah. Yeah. coming. Uh, nobody's today. saying he's the guy. It's, there's just big contact. And then, hey, guess what? You know, And I'll say this, too. Guys, it's a backup quarterback. There's a lot of panic about this. Look, Spencer Rattler just played behind one offensive line that was confused half the time and another one that couldn't play dead in the movie, and he was fine. You know, Steven Garcia in 09, let's think back to that year. And 2010, too, when Connor was a true freshman and the only other quarterback on the roster besides Dylan Thompson who wasn't ready. If, if Garcia had gone on in 09, South Carolina's got Reed McCollum or Aramis Hillary. Yeah, I kind of think they'd have put Stephon Gilmore quarterback. I mean, you're talking about a four and eight football team, and Stephen was like played with reckless abandon and took some shots. We all know how Stephen played. So, I mean, I just don't. I don't think it's. I I I would like for them to sign another quarterback just so you know you got some that security blanket there. But that's all it is a security blanket. Lenore Sellers is going to be the starter. Is going to play most of the snaps. I mean, there's no. They didn't – I mean, you know, they may bring in a guy that does compete with him and, and maybe he beats him out. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I, I just don't – and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, you look, oh, God, Luke Doty. Man, if Luke Doty is a full-time quarterback, I think they want Luke to be a receiver because I think that's where his best spot is. I think he's going to be a good receiver. But Luke Doty, as a backup quarterback to Lenora Sellers, I mean, that's a good backup, right, <laughs> to me. He's the backup. He's got starting experience. He can run the football. You're going to run the quarterback a lot next year. Uh, arm is not – I mean, he's not, like, terrible, okay? Yeah. I mean, so if they have to go with that, that's fine. I don't think they won't do because I think they want Luke to play receiver. But, you know, maybe if anybody can handle both, maybe he can. You know, you kind of wish to carry and Joyner was back, play a little quarterback. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, look, guys, it's just uh, – Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Spencer didn't run like Sellers is going to take to and take hits. So did Steven Garcia. So did does everybody. You got to protect your body. Most quarterbacks do. Yeah. I mean, I, I just uh, – this is a lot of angst and consternation over a backup quarterback. And there's been years where boy, the backup situation was a whole hell of a lot worse than, than Luke Doty and Dante Reno. I mean, I just mentioned it in 09. I mean, those guys, jeez. 
Think yeah. about if Steven Garcia had gotten hurt in 09. And that, that was with a coach that didn't like to block anybody that just says, hey, well, shoot, we're just going to block five and get it off, Steven. Woohoo! <laughs> Yeehaw! I mean, come on. Let, let's let, let's get a little bit uh, let's get a little bit more realistic here with some things. Hale, final ones we got to run. Uh, your your thoughts on the uh, the offensive and defensive line commitments from this past weekend? Uh, Monkel Goodwin from or Goodwin from uh, Alabama and Aaron Parks, the offensive lineman out of Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say those two are probably going to be more depth type of players help you build your numbers back up South Carolina lost quite a few younger players at those positions offensive line and defensive tackle and and those guys were you know further down the depth chart type of players and you know if either one of these guys Goodwine or, or Parks can come in and and compete for a starting job then I think that might be okay but, but maybe not but if you look at some of the um, I, I think you probably are talking about uh, those those two particular new new guys, Parks and Goodwin, being being a little bit further down on the depth chart again. I, I you know, they, they haven't played a ton, and, and yeah, they were highly rated out of high school. But um, if you know if if they're a little bit better, they probably, quite frankly, would have played more at Alabama or Oklahoma. Hale, we'll keep our eyes on the bigspur.com over the next few days. I'm sure you'll be busy uh, trying to figure all this portal stuff out and, um, and getting us ready. Believe it or not, spring ball will be here before you know it. Uh, sometime late next month, we'll be getting an email from Steve Fink giving us the schedule for Shane Beamer and his Gamecocks. Of course, they are now underway in winter workouts. And as John Strickland pointed out on Friday here on our program, this is a, this is a tough time for a college football player. Uh, so uh, next couple of weeks going to be a little bit brutal for all the guys out there working out at the facility. Ugh, but we know you'll, you'll have us covered. Uh, I, from what I understand, Hale, you're getting up at 5 a.m. out there uh, videoing these guys and, and taking notes. So we really appreciate that. I, I didn't hear anything you said. My internet still sucks. I'll see you guys okay. later, though. We love okay. you, Hale. There you go, Hale. Right, Hale please, twice. Uh, hey, can, can way, anybody name the backup quarterback I, at Clemson I, this year, by the way? I, I, it was Hunter I didn't Helm. think so. Oh yeah, Hunter Helms. Where were that? Where were that mighty juggernaut of an offense been? Had 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 even Kubnick gone down? And he's gone now. He's at uh, Rhode Island. So, uh, but uh, I was just kidding. By the way, Hale was not getting up at five in the morning videotaping uh, winter workouts for Gamecock football. Uh, he sleeps in until at least six. So, no, it wasn't Vizina, Clint, and Dante Reno's better than Vizina. By the way, just so you know. Yeah, it and is eleven. No, go ahead, Jamie. Yeah. You wouldn't want us out of here. I wouldn't okay. read much in Reno's performance at the All-Star game. I mean, think about yeah. how limited time you have to actually put an offense together for that. Listen, it's – yeah. Trevor he's, Lawrence he's, looked like he couldn't even play football in the Army right. of America. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't read a lot of, it, like, quarterback and, and skill guys and things like that. I always – I look more at um, lines of scrimmage in those All-Star games, just see, like, you know, man-on-man type strength and um, – I. The takeaway I had for Carolina with all that was Dylan Stewart's got some, so hopefully that continues yeah. to continue to get better as he gets it south gets to South Carolina. We do have to hit a timeout though. We're going to do that now. When we come back, we'll uh, tee you up for tonight's tip off in Tuscaloosa. There's a lot of tees. I get it. Gamecocks on the road at Alabama. Brad Crawford, Mike Morgan, join us in the noon hour, and that'll roll us all the way until two o'clock this afternoon as we recap the college football season. 
and look ahead as well. Hang tight. Inside the Game Cox, the show built by the Barn Doco. We'll be right back. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barn Dough Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Dough Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. This is Jacoby Wright from Gamecock Basketball, and you are listening to the show with JB, Bill, and JC. Go Gamecocks. Yeah, it is a nice postal day out there, isn't it, Marion? One of our resident mailmen here on Inside the Gamecocks to show. Be careful. It is, uh, it's rough. The weather out there is not good, and it's only going to get worse. There, footage now from Panama City from tornadoes this morning that have just been, uh, it's been pretty devastating. So hopefully, thoughts and prayers with all those and uh, and all of us up here. We don't want to have to deal with any of that ourselves. And um, all of our kids are home. My kids are running around downstairs right now. So hopefully hopefully this stuff flows through there and we all get out safely tonight at 7 o'clock uh, our time, 6 o'clock their time in T-Town. The Gamecocks and the Tide will tangle both 1-0 in the SEC. Carolina comes in in the net rankings at 42. Alabama will enter in the top 10 with a number six net ranking. They are 0-5 against quad one opportunities. This is a quad two opportunity uh, for Alabama. Certainly it's a quad one for the Gamecocks. Uh, Carolina has already played two quad one opponents this season. They are 1-1 one one in those games. This would go a long, long ways uh, towards continuing to improve their March stock, if you want to call it that. Carolina enters at 13-1. and one. The Tide enter at 9-5, and five, all those fives I just mentioned. They've been tough ones. Both, though, have won their lid lifters over the weekend in the SEC. Gamecocks are seeking the team's sixth straight win, and it would just be the third for the program since joining the SEC in 1991-1992. Dave Neal and John Sunvold will be on the call if you're going to watch it on the SEC Network. Of course, Derek and Casey have it on 107.5 The Game and all across the Gamecock Radio Network. You can download their app and listen to it there as well. If Carolina wins, it'll be the sixth time in program history they improved to 14-1. and The last time they did it, they did not make the NCAA tournament. It was the year prior to the Final Four run, uh, though their numbers and their metrics are much higher uh, this time around. It's interesting, though, if you haven't paid attention, the Tide have the number two scoring offense in college hoops 91.8 points per game. South Carolina enters with the 18th-ranked scoring defense in the country. They only give up 63 points per game. Both of those numbers, as you would expect from 
Alabama, but maybe not that you would expect from South Carolina. They lead the SEC. The Gamecocks give up the least amount of points in league play, while Alabama scores the most. Bama's won eight straight in the series, and their eighth was that four overtime, uh, or, or I'm sorry, the they've won eight straight in the series, uh, dating back to the four overtime battle back at uh, the CLA on February 7th, 2017. Last year, remember, it was an overtime game in Columbia, and uh, the Gamecocks just couldn't get it done. Brandon Miller scored 41 points. Alabama got out of there, 78 to 76 winners. Alabama all-time 18-2 and two in Tuscaloosa versus South Carolina. Last win, Darren Horn led them to it on Valentine's Day in 2009. So, obviously, history is against Carolina tonight, guys, but uh, you never know what can happen, and this team's been tough as nails throughout the year. I will say this, totally different game from what they just played against uh, Mississippi State, right? They're going to have to hit shots tonight. They have to hit shots tonight, period, the end. They've got to hit shots uh, if they don't, uh, they will not win the basketball game. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but um, 7 o'clock tip. Yeah, that's yeah, the key, JB. Yep, yep, put it up, put it up, you know, because you're you're going to miss some, uh, but you're going to have to be volume shooters tonight uh, with everybody who has been known to hit those threes because you're you're not going to be able to win this game just, just trying to, to muddy it up with defense because <laughs> – I can't believe Alabama's 91 points. Is that is that right? Is that yeah, not a typo? Right. 91 points per game. They score in bunches and waves, and then when they get hot. Yeah. The thing is, sometimes they get cold. You know, sometimes Bama will go through. Uh, like last year, their whole team was cold except Brandon Miller, and he took over the game. But, uh, yeah, Mike just, Morgan actually called that game last year. Um, so Yeah, we, uh, he did. We can we can talk to them about that, it. It was an interesting game because it was right after the legal issues with with Brandon and uh, somebody wrote a nasty column. Some idiot from USA Today wrote a nasty column about Mike, saying Mike wasn't a true journalist for not pressing the kid on. And I'm like, dude, that's not Mike's job, bro. Really, play by play guy. Oh yeah, Mike will tell you all about it. This, this idiot from USA Today wrote this. I mean, somebody I'd never even heard of wrote this scathing piece like. Just tearing down Mike and the reporter that was that. I mean, just awful. It was one of those anti ESPN pieces, just to be anti ESPN. Uh, and I'm like, dude, you work for USA Today, the home of Nancy Armour, who hates everything. Never mind. But uh, I, uh, I think South Carolina's got to play good defense tonight. I think that's tough because this is a very skilled, uh, battle tested team. They put a lot of good teams. I will say, Clemson did go in there and beat them. Yeah, beat them by eight. Uh, you know, and 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 it, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that this is a tight one. Um, but look, man, like I've told everybody all week, you're going to lose ball games this year, and basketball is not an undefeated sport. So, I would just encourage everyone not to get too down in the dumps. Hey, hell, Bama may blow them out. That could happen. Uh, you know, I mean, Bama's that good. Uh, you know, and if South Carolina cannot shoot the basketball, like it's one of those nights where everybody's cold, you're gonna have a hard time winning. You know, they need, they need of the guys that can really fill it. They, they need, they need Michi, uh, Studi. Uh, they need Mac to have a good game offensively. You know, they need all, they need at least three of their guys on tonight, I think, to match what Bama brings to the table. And then, of course, you got to play Tenacious D. 
Well, you, you, they have Carolina now has a brand of basketball, and I know we're out of time. We're going to talk more about this with Mike coming up later on in the program. But the the Gamecocks, they they have a brand now. They have a brand of basketball, and and you haven't really always been able to say that around here. They they have to play their brand of basketball tonight. If you play Alabama's brand, you get you lose. You that's why Clemson won over there. Like you have got to play your brand of basketball, uh, which as you just pointed out, JC requires. Um, playing good defense, they have the best defense in the league by the numbers. Um, and 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 on the other end of the floor, moving the moving the basketball and hitting shots. Yeah, they're, they're not necessarily an inside-out team or anything like that. You know, they, they have to that in the game, but like you've got to be able to move the basketball on the offensive end of the floor get shots when you when you've got them. And and if they can do that, they're in it tonight. And then. Back to play defense. They can't, then they won't be. I'm with you. Uh, I think, and I think the thing is, Clint pointed out, Bama doesn't play great defense. They don't. They're not a great defensive team. They're not. They'll force turnovers, you know, because they're so quick. But uh, they're a they're a score points basketball. That's Nate Oates, man. Heck of a coach. But uh, hey, Carolina's due against Alabama in hoops. Bottom line, they're due. Well. I hope that payment comes tonight. It's 11.59. Hour one is in the books. Brad Crawford, Mike Morgan, both up next year on Inside the Gamecocks of the Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing 
GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. National Anthem, American Barbecue, a great combination. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue presents the Anthem Daily here on Inside the Gamecocks. The show, CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com, to have it delivered to your doorstep. And if you need something catered, Billy G's CarolinaBarbecue.com is where you can order the food truck, order the food, or just order Mr. Bill. You know, just let him come up. Maybe you just want him to just literally himself be there, like as your Santa Claus or something. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. Dot com. Mike knows him well. He used to throw rocks at his window when he's had a restaurant back in the Vista because he was so hungry every morning. No, I'm just kidding, Mike. That's what it was. That's that's right. Uh, we we really couldn't ask for two better ones than this to recap the college football season that was and is now over. Looking ahead to twenty, Brad's Brad's hard at work. Brad's already got the top twenty five out. He's got his Heisman winner for next year. I mean, he's I don't know if he had the Heisman guy or not, Brad. He's got the exact rushing yardage for. For the running back at Northwestern, the running back at, at Harvard, 
I don't know how you do all this stuff in January, but it's pretty incredible. But glad to have uh, both of you. Power Hour here uh, presented by our friend Gary Patterson with State Farm Insurance and our other friend, Ryan Brewer, of course, former legendary running back for Carolina. What's up, guys? Hey, man. Good to see Good you. It's, uh, tornado Alley here right now. We're under a watch. so Yeah, we are too. Yeah. We'll see. Look good. Wind's been bl- I'm on the third floor, and uh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be up here. <laughs> we'll put it that way. You guys Whether I one, one hit Fort Lauderdale last week. A tornado. Wow. Really? <laughs> Because I'm still I'm still down here in Palm Beach County before I leave for Starkville. We'll talk about a culture change on that junket. Uh, and somebody told me when I was in uh, Nashville, like Mike, you hear about the tornado in Fort Lauderdale? And I said, you, Bro, you got to be mistaken. They don't get tornadoes. You mean like a hurricane warning, a, a storm? He goes, No, a tornado hit downtown Fort Lauderdale near Los Olas. I'm like, hey, You got to be crazy. And then I looked on the internet. Sure enough, it hit. Whoa, that's right after we left that area. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I mean, I don't think there were too many, um, you know, casual. It, the, the damage, thankfully, was minimal in relatively speaking for a tornado. Um, but if it can hit there, shoot, it can hit anywhere. Well, I sure hope it doesn't hit anywhere else. I did see Panama City got pretty beat up this morning already. So, uh, thoughts and prayers are with those folks down there. This has already shifted through Alabama Gamecocks and Tide. We'll tip tonight, Mike. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, want to welcome Brad here and, and get both of your – we'll lead off with, with Crawford and get your initial thoughts on what transpired last night in Houston, Jim Harbaugh. Of course, naturally, the, a lot of the national media, no disrespect to either one of you because you're, you're, you're members of it, but you're a little bit better than this, have sp- spent the entire morning asking Jim about how much money we should pay our football players in college. Nothing about college football. Let's just, let's just talk about how much we need to pay them the day after the national championship game. Um, that aside, Brad, your, your thoughts from what happened last night, 34 to 13 win for the Wolverines. Yeah, man. My biggest takeaway was the Joe Mora winning award winning offensive line at Washington just got pushed around by Michigan. Washington's right tackle is a future NFL draft pick. Maybe not after last night, but he played really (laughs) bad. Um, Had a couple holding penalties and in that fourth quarter, there was about six or seven consecutive snaps where he, Got off the ball before the snap. They only called a false start once, but just the timing was off for Washington. This is the most potent offense we've seen really since week one across college football this season. And Michael Penix did not have the A-plus game that he had to have to win that game. So Michigan winning the national championship did not surprise me last night. How they did it did, though. Um, I thought Washington's offense would play a lot better, and I didn't think Michael Penix would be a deer in headlights for much of that contest. Mike, there were two plays that stuck out to me this morning. I mentioned them to Mad Dog and Schubert. Uh, the pass to Adunze that that sailed to his right from Penix, and then there was a fourth down drop later on. Had either one, both, or either one of those plays been made, what do you think would have would have happened last night? You think it would have changed the outcome? I don't know if it would have changed the outcome, but it certainly would have changed the fourth quarter. I, I mean, th- those are huge misses. They, they just are, and. I, I talked about this this morning that uh, the people I talk to, I run into NFL scouts every now and then, and they all say the best tape of anybody in college football this year from the quarterback spot was Michael Penix. I mean, he was insanely accurate to the tune of like 76, 77%, throws a pretty ball, uh, hits those great receivers. Uh, Odunze is going to be a stud at the next level. I'm convinced of that. 
Um, but he had an off game, and I realize Michigan's defense had a lot to do with it, but some of those throws were just flat-out misses. He looked a little bit rattled, dare I say. And to Brad's point, you know, Roger Rosengarten goes 6'6", 300 pounds, a talented line. That's the Joe Moore winning offensive line, not Notre Dame. It, it resided in, in Seattle, Washington, and he looked like his feet were in concrete. I mean, they were just too quick. They were going around him like a turnstile. Mm-hmm. So that obviously had a big factor for Michael Penix's performance. But the other thing that stood out to me is just the the unbelievable gang tag, the pursuit of the Michigan defense. It's not just like a bunch of great athletes. It's the way they play and the way that a guy makes a catch in the, in the flat, let's just say, you know, in a, a little swing pass or a little circle pass over the middle. It's not just like the guy in front of him, responsibility one-on-one to make the play. It's the defensive line. It's the safety. They all just swarm. And at times it looked like there were 15 Michigan defensive players out there, and I don't think Washington had much of an answer for it. I actually think think there were. Junior Colson, that Michigan linebacker, I'm I'm sure he's not projected first round, number 25. I mean, he was – he was like Reuben Foster all over the field, sideline to sideline. Played played great last night. I actually think there was a play with 15 defensive players <laughs> on the field. They missed that too. Yeah. The ACC <laughs> officials. It wasn't a great day for the officiating crew. I, I mean, a lot of not, holding in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Not to suggest it would have made a difference. I don't know if it was one sided or not, but uh, it was not a banner. Let's see. What conference? I didn't even catch. What conference was the that ACC? Crew from? The ACC. Yeah, it was ACC crew. Yeah, because yeah, it couldn't nice have been PAC and it couldn't have been Big Ten. That's the rule. Can't be from either one of the two conferences participating. But, mm-hmm. no, nah, I mean, look, Michigan was just better. And I, I I thought Washington got cute with the play calling. Like, you know who you are. You're not going to run on Michigan. So I'd rather be predictable than try to get cute and just get stuffed. And uh, once they figured out, okay, that's not working, Let's go ahead and try passing, but uh, by then it was too late. They're pinning their ears back, and and Penix just had a, he had an off night. Look, he's still going to be a first round quarterback if he's healthy, and he's got two shoulders and two knees that scouts are going to look at. But um, he he had an off night, and Michigan was. Let me say this: Michigan was better, but they weren't that much better. Like this is not Georgia TCU. Washington is a legit team. I hate the fact that when a team loses in the title game, we just kind of dismiss them like, oh, they're. A, they're trash. They're a joke. They're overrated. Not, I don't think any of that. I just think they got beat by a better team, and they did not play their best game. They certainly did not have their best game by their best player. Yeah, I it's I that's a great point because we we're going to the twelve team playoff, and I think we're all anxious to see. Phil, do you have the graphic I sent from this morning? You're muted. If you don't mind, if you can, uh, yeah, give me just a second here. I'm trying to yeah. I, so look, I, I know y'all know what it was. We want to put this on the screen here for the sake of conversation for those that may not realize what it actually would have looked like. But if there was a 12 team playoff this year, um, I mean, it's all hypothetical. It doesn't matter. The season's over. Michigan won the national championship, but it, that was, that's what it would look like right there. And the clearly bracket, I don't know, South, <laughs> That would have been, I think, seemingly the more difficult bracket to work yourself through. Ole Miss was playing well at the end of the year. Georgia's a team that, you know, the big hot take today has been, well, if Georgia's in the national championship, they would have won. I don't know if that's true. Maybe, maybe they would have. Maybe they wouldn't have. Could have had a Michigan-Ohio State-type national championship. But just for just for the sake of having a good time, and Brad will lead off with you here, if we were in a 12-team playoff and that was the bracket, which it would have been, how confident are you that Michigan would still be the national champion? 
I'm pretty confident, man. I mean, they okay. were they were dominant. They they held every opponent to less than 24 points a game. First time that's happened in more than a decade in college football. We've had what three 15 and 0 national champions now. That's it. That's all we've seen in the playoff era. I mean, and and Harbaugh didn't even coach six games this year. Almost half the season they didn't even have their head coach. So I think they were a dominant team. They played well at the line of scrimmage and. As we've seen during this this SEC's you know decade long run prior to last night, if you have good quarterback play and elite play line of scrimmage, you're going to win a lot of games. McCarthy didn't have his best game last night, but they didn't they didn't need it, man. Two two hundred yard rushers, and as Mike pointed out, Washington quarterback Michael Penix just uh, he was confused at times, and I thought Washington should have gone downfield a lot more. I I say this often if if you can have the protection. Going downfield, only one bad thing can happen, an interception. It's either an incompletion, a defensive pass interference, or a catch. So if I'm a play caller ever, future in my life, I'm, I'm going downfield a lot. <laughs> Mike, do you agree with that? Michael Pettis is my quarterback. Yeah, man. I mean, look, you've got, you've got an NFL arm that, uh, like I said, was the most accurate, the most productive – and I know he didn't win the Heisman. Uh, Jalen Daniels deserved it. I, I voted yeah. for him. But just on like what NFL scouts are looking at, he, he throws a pretty ball. And all year long, I mean, he was insanely accurate. And the strength of that team all year long was Penix and the receiving core. And you could say the O-line, obviously. The O-line clearly was not – I don't know if any O-line is going to be the strength of the team against Michigan. Michigan is just a problem. They are a major headache. But – I'd rather go ahead and and you know go to go to what your strength is and that's Penix and throwing and challenging downfield and if you lose that way I can sleep better at night than trying to get a little too and again I love Kalen DeBoer but some of the and I know technically he's not calling the plays but some of the play calling um I I could have done without in that particularly in the first half All right Anybody remember who the quarterback was of last year's national championship team? Yeah. He's, he's a backup in the NFL now, Stetson Bennett. Who's better, Stetson Bennett or J.J. McCarthy? McCarthy. Oh, so so I would go Stetson Bennett. Are we well, talking – well, are I we think talking McCarthy just be a better college? college? Yeah, college okay, okay. I, I, let me get my NFL executive hat off, right, even though right. that, that pays better. We'll, we'll um, get to that question next. Yeah. You know, <laughs> No, be, yo, Bennett was a better college. I agree. Oh, I agree. I'm the one that stood up for Bennett when, let me tell you something, living in Atlanta, I mean, I at first I had to hear it, um, you know, when he got the job, and I'm like, no, he actually looks pretty good. And then when he kept the job, no, I think he should keep the job. I mean, it was nonstop. Just he was, that kid was taking arrows left and right, but he was a damn good college quarterback. I don't think he sees the field much at the, at the NFL level, and he's not the physical talent that McCarthy is. But, yeah, as a pure college quarterback, he was terrific. He's Connor Shaw with better players around him. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good that's a good comp. Who was, who was the Georgia quarterback the year prior? That was JT Daniels and Stetson uh-huh. Bennett. Right. You got, okay, so if you if you got to play for a national championship game next year and you get J.J. McCarthy, JT Daniels, and Stetson Bennett, who are you taking? J, uh, taking uh, J.J. McCarthy. I think I don't. I don't agree that Stetson was a better college quarterback. I think JJ is okay. better than him. 
Well, and I get Todd calling plays. Same now, now they can't. Yeah, can you give me Todd Monken calling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he's going to be the next. He's going to be the next casualty to the Panthers, from what I'm reading. Oh my God! Yeah, he'll be the next Panthers coach. No, I, I just, I think JJ and Stetson had similar intangibles, like the competitiveness, the desire, and so with that being equal to me, I'm going to go with arm talent, athleticism, and, and I just think JJ's a little better. I mean, yeah. you know, just, but that, that's me, you know, I'm just, do, I, do, uh, um, like, do I see where I'm going with this? Like you see where I'm going with this? Like the three quarterbacks that won national championships prior to these three were named Tua, Joe and, uh, Trevor, Trevor. Yeah. And, and, and look at what those guys do in the NFL. And then this next group of quarterbacks that have won national championships, very, you know, yeah. Yeah, you uh, right. I mean, again, if you are that elite, and I mean Michigan, I was thinking about this watching the game last night. In my lifetime, I you know I can't remember, or I wasn't old enough to remember all the great '80s defenses, player for player, and whatnot. And the game was different back then. The first, like, oh crap, that is a ridiculously dominating defense in my lifetime was '92 Alabama. Okay, and then you go from there, and you know, Florida, Florida State. We're each in that conversation for a short time. Nebraska was in that conversation. 2002, Ohio State was in that conversation for a short time. And obviously, yeah, Owen yeah, Miami, Georgia, the first yeah. title was ridiculous. And, of course, Alabama's had multiple under, under Saban. Michigan, that group, I don't, and they're going to have a bunch of guys drafted. I don't know if it'll be as many first-round picks as whomever, whatever. But, the, but they're as good as I've seen. So when you're that good there – and you're that dominating on the offensive line. And, oh, by the way, Blake Corum, I've, I've said this before, if he doesn't get hurt last year, he probably wins my Heisman vote in 2022. And, really? and Yeah. Oh, Corum was – people forget, Corum was having an unbelievable year before he went down with injury. And and remember now, the Heisman vote goes before the playoff. So even if he they didn't win the playoff – they would have been a, a an undefeated team with Blake Corum leading the way. Most people couldn't tell you a single wide receiver on that team, and McCarthy was, you know, they don't ask a ton of him to do. So it was a Corum machine. Uh, but when you have all that dominance, and then you've got a, a a good quarterback in McCarthy, like even if McCarthy doesn't put up eye popping numbers, you saw like on a couple of those runs, he doesn't run like an average quarterback. Like he's juking, he's got wiggle, he he's he's a little bit freakish. So you add all that up, and even though he won't have the numbers of Tua and Trevor, he's still pretty damn good to to be surrounded by all that massive talent. They're as coached as well as anybody. Moore and Minter are going to be head coaches somewhere sometime soon. So, I mean, it's the perfect formula stuff, even without a quote-unquote first-round quarterback. And McCarthy won't be that if he goes this year. If he comes back another year, who knows? But he'll be drafted for sure, and he would not surprise me if he's on an NFL roster for a while. Is Jesse Minter, is that Rick's son? I believe so. It right? is. Yeah, I, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. It's like yesterday I was interviewing Rick when he was under Lou. Yeah, at Carolina. Yeah. That was 20 years ago, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, that was. Oh, four, yeah. 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 20, the, the, he was the last, uh, last DC Lou brought in. Uh, by the way, uh, for those that missed the show Friday, John Strickland told a funny story about how Lou fired a, an offensive line coach after 03, Dave DeGuglielmo, and uh, 
dude went straight to the NFL and coached for and the did Giants. Great. And did great there. <laughs> yeah, Gooch. He told that story. So that was Gooch, was, Gooch was a badass who never yeah, should have yeah. been fired. That, that's when Lou, the wheels came off. He threw his son under the bus. He scrapped the spread to try to run the 1988 Tony Rice-Notre Dame offense. He was Without just Tony. Re- without Tony. <laughs> with Dondrell Pinkins. He's just reaching for straws, man. He was like – it was sad to see. I love Lou. And he – the 2000-2001 – Gamecock fans should be eternally grateful for that, but after that, boy, it was it was all downhill. We need to step aside for a timeout. I want to maximize the time that we have with Brad here joining us uh, today for a full hour. Um, some of the things we're going to get into when we get back are uh, what are the top three off-season topics in college football, according to the great Brad Crawford. I know you've got our early top 25 out there. But which teams in your mind, based on what they did in 23, have put themselves in position to be playoff teams in 24, aside from the usual suspects and more? Uh, so we'll hit a quick timeout. Brad Crawford of 27 Sports has been kind enough to join Mike, JC, Mad Dog, and myself. Don't go anywhere. Power Hour, driven by Love Chevrolet. We'll be right back. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck.
Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Charleston Powers inside the Gamecocks, the show, electrobyteschcharleston.com, up to 28 miles per hour, as I've learned living in the low country over the years. Brad, you're from Monk's Corner. You'll know exactly what I'm saying. That's faster than some people drive on the interstate. <laughs> electrobyteschcharleston.com. For whatever reason, people move to South Carolina and forget that you can go faster than what the sign says. Um, Brad, what made college football great in 2023? I think the fact that we had parity in the college football playoff with a team like Washington, you know, going 13-0, and winning the Pac-12, and then more so the Pac-12 in its last year of existence, having five or six legitimate contenders. I mean, it, it kept me staying up on Saturday nights watching those games, you know, but being interested in not only Washington and Oregon, but um, having Arizona out there, won seven straight games. They're probably a top 15 team to open 2024 kind of a meteoric rise under Jed Fish. And even Colorado, man, four and eight, but Coach Prime put some juice back into Colorado football. I know for September, there were a lot of eyes on the Buffaloes, and and rightfully <laughs> so with a couple, you know, really good players out there. Was it What game was it where there was 10 million people that watched till like two in the morning? Y'all remember that? What game was that? Colorado, Colorado State. Colorado State. Yep. That was Colorado State. Yeah. Good, yeah. good for the – hold on. Are they the Rams? They're the Rams, They're and that was when the their coach, you know, said some things about Dion, act right. like a act like a man, act like a professional, take your hat off, yeah. And then of course Dion did his whole spiel and turned that into like a hype video, and they almost lost the game to to a bad Colorado State team. So I don't know if what statement was made by Colorado in that game, but it drew a lot of eyeballs because a lot of people are on Team Dion that don't really care about college football. If you want to get a massive number without a great game, find something that's polarizing. I've made the analogy. It's like the John Thompson 80s Georgetown Hoya teams, for those old enough to remember that. um, They rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and they embraced that, and that's what Dion wants. You're either like going to slurp Dion Sanders, or then you absolutely hate him because that's the way it's got to be. You you can't be in the middle. Um, And so – You've got a bunch of people that could give a crap less about college football, but they're all about Dion, and they think this is some type of major stance about how this is the future of, of coaching in college football. So I think it's a fascinating experiment, and I'm all here for it. Uh, I do think, though, the numbers back me up, uh, Brad. I, uh, th- some of that hype started to dissipate when they lost eight in a row. Man, you can have a video game roster with Shador and Travis Hunter and everybody else, but if you don't have the big uglies up front, you're you're not going to yeah. win against good teams. They yeah. they lost, I think it was seven of their last eight. They've been focused on that in the offseason too. Jordan Seaton is one and, and things like that. I remember going into that game, um, and I, I know that when you two guys aren't on our show that y'all clear your schedules to watch every day from 11 to 2. Don't tell me otherwise because that's what we truly believe around here. 
Um, but I remember Sometimes going Brad and into- I get together. We just we have a little Always. viewing party. <laughs> He's typing out articles. I'm calling games and we've got it on in the background. And what, what, what did JC just say? OK, okay. <laughs> I, Which you know, you know I, I am kind of excited to start watching SEC basketball like beginning tonight. I, I'm going to be honest, fellas. I, I haven't watched one second of college basketball season so far this fall. We, hopefully tonight you're a good luck charm for for Lamont and the boys for the for the Gamecocks. Tough one down there in T-Town. But I, I remember going into that game, uh, JC, Phil, do y'all remember who our guest was that Friday when we picked that game? Which game? Picked what game? Colorado, Colorado. Where have y'all been for the last five minutes? Colorado, Colorado State. <laughs> was it uh, Corey Boyd? Nope. He was at the end of the season. Is it Patrick Davis? No, Colorado. That was what the four. It was a, it was a, it was a quarterback. Three. It was a quarterback. Was it? Wasn't. Anthony, Anthony Wright. It was Kyle Anthony Kraft. Wright. It was Anthony, Anthony Wright. Wright. Yeah. And Anthony. Yeah. And Anthony. Anthony said he picked. He said Colorado would win, but he said it was going to be really close. And we all kind of yeah. rolled. At least I did. I rolled my eyes. I was like, no way. And he yeah. goes, Yeah, you don't come out as a head coach like that and say what you said, kick the hornet's nest, unless you've been watching tape for five, six days or more, and you know something the rest of us don't know. <laughs> and Good take. He was he was right on it, wasn't he? Yeah. Because no, They, uh, they should have won the game. Colorado State had the game. You could have got Colorado State in 24 and a half yeah. before kickoff. Yeah, that's right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. absolutely. All right. Uh, as we go into the offseason – what are the two or three topics that will carry over from 2023 into 2024 that will, I mean, NIL is always there, Brad, seemingly, but what will carry over and take center stage over the next 250 days? I think how bowl season will look um, and moreover the college football playoff and, you know, how we're essentially giving additional fake invites to a dance that, really only 10 to 12 programs are going to win over the next decade. That's just my opinion. But the ones that the haves and have nots during this era are, are going to be further separated. And I, I say that with a caveat that a school like Ole Miss is borderline becoming one of the haves because of its collective and how Lane Kiffin has embraced, you know, the transfer portal until the NCAA steps in and makes changes on how players are, basically traded back and forth every offseason now, then you, you're, you're going to have a school like Ole Miss that can break into this top 12 playoff. And, I mean, judging by every preseason poll, including my own, if Ole Miss does not make the expanded playoff next season, it's a failure in Oxford. Now, did I see this correctly? Do you have Ole Miss ranked third in the country going into 2024? I've got them ranked number three, and that's with losing Quinshawn Judkins. Who, and, by the and, way, Lane Kiffin let him walk. They they gave him, you know, more than a fair offer. The rumored number is eight hundred grand, and Ohio State paid more to get him. I don't necessarily believe that, but Lane Kiffin feels great about his team, even without you know a guy that's got thirty five touchdowns the last two years. Why? why? Like you said, because you got Michigan, you got Bama fourth and Michigan fifth, Ohio State sixth. There's some big names. Why Ole Miss at three? Ahead of them. I've got Ole Miss at three because you look at that schedule, the Rebels are going to be favored in at least 10 games. They got two really challenging games at LSU 
we don't know how they're going to look with, with the new first year DC Blake Baker taking over there from, from Missouri. And then they, I think go, uh, they host Georgia. So they don't play Alabama um, and they don't play Texas. And there's some, you know, SEC scheduling issues with a few teams next season. And Ole Miss is not part of that. They're, they're going to be favorably scheduled. So if they go 10 and two and say miss out on the SEC championship game, then at large, they're going to get that 10, 11, 12 seed. So you don't think Furman pulls the upset August 31st is what you're saying? I don't saying. think Furman does, no. <laughs> NC State's another team that could uh, back its way into a playoff berth next year. Oh, God, don't say that to J.C. He, he, you know, he can't do the whole Dave Doran thing. Here comes the rage. Here, Here comes we go. the rage. Get the look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Dave Dave did a good guy cho- coaching job this year. I mean, because they started slow. They, they made so the change in quarterback. They, got, they were good on defense. Give them credit. Dave they Horn. they really piecemealed that together at the quarterback position too because Brennan Armstrong was a shell of his former self of what we saw at Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, he was awful, and then and, Morris kind of came. Yeah, you know, they got a quarterback now, didn't they? Who they pick up? Oh, Grace Grayson McCall. McCall. Yeah, they got so. Waters, and they got two really good receivers. So yeah, so the they ACC, should be better. Yeah. And uh, there's no divisions next year either. Well, I mean, there wasn't this year. The Ole Miss thing is really interesting, tying it back into South Carolina, because this is the first time I've actually paid attention to their schedule. And, Brad, I, I – They're they're 7-0 and without having to show up the first seven weeks. I mean, I mean, look at that. The, well, the game in Columbia is going to be difficult. Them. That's what. That's uh, what they're yeah. they're gonna. So the chances of them walking into Columbia five and zero and in the top ten are very high. Oh, oh, very high. They're going. They will probably be five or six coming to Columbia. Reading and, the schedule and, for for those wondering, by the way, and and Mike, I will slide you into this because you you know Kentucky pretty well, but Kentucky's got to go to Oxford. But the first four here, they should they shouldn't. Yeah, you're right. Furman, Middle Tennessee, at Wake, Georgia Southern. And then they've got Kentucky coming to town. Those are the front five before they head to to play in Williams Price Stadium. I, I mean, I'll I'll not that Brad needs any uh, support on this, but I I, I agree. We we went over on uh, JCM this morning. Uh, Schwabal does his too early top twenty five every year. We went over the top ten. He's got Ole Miss in there. Like I think that's going to be a pretty consensus pick. Honestly, I don't know about three. Might be seven, it might, but at that point we're we're kind of splitting hairs anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's interesting, Brad. You mentioned not um, making the SEC championship game, and this kind of goes to your bigger question, Jamie. I was on um, uh, a show uh, with with uh, Jeff Dantzler, who does a, a daily Georgia show, kind of like this show, um, and we were just kind of shooting the the bull about where the SEC is and what the future is, and I've talked about it before. Like, I don't know if everybody truly understands when we get rid of divisions and you add Texas and Oklahoma, like an eight-win season might really look like a six-win season from now on. And he brought up a point, too, like, and I know some Georgia fans that feel this way. He brings up the point, you know, if they would have just sat the SEC championship game out three times, they would have played for three more national titles, right? So the SEC championship, there's a lot of Georgia fans that are like, the hell with it. Like, we don't even want to play in it and I I, what's going to happen here is going to be really interesting because as it stands now you give you give the conference championship game winners a bye but 
you avoid the home game, which a lot of people would like for financial reasons and otherwise, and you're no longer going to be able, we all know that there's not a more physical game every year than what goes on in Atlanta the first week of December. In years past, you'd have a month off just about to play your next game. You're not going to have that anymore. You're not going to, you're, you are going to just get the crap beat out of you, even if you win on December the 3rd. And then before you know it, you're turning around and you're playing in a playoff game, even with the bye. Like it's a, it's a much quicker turnaround than what we're used to. So I, I think there's a lot of things that are going to be insanely interesting, you know, with all the, um, what I call fake reporting on Clemson. I got inside sources. Clemson's leaving. Like, like every, I can predict there's going to be a hurricane in South Florida within the next 50 years, and I'm going to be right. Um, what, what we do know for a fact is that Florida State, while Clemson's kind of flirting with leaving, Florida State's like, after this whole thing that happened, not getting the playoff, and they feel like they were jobbed, they're making moves. They're making money moves, okay? They are going out of their way. Now, they don't have a landing spot yet. And to assume that the SEC is craving Florida State is a wrong assumption to make. But let's just assume either Big Ten or Florida State, uh, Big Ten or SEC is the landing spot. Neither one of those conferences are going to pay full freight. So you're it's like SMU did the ultimate. They said, you don't have to give us a dime and we'll go to the ACC. Florida State is so desperate to get out of the ACC that they're willing to take not a, an equal part of the share, the, uh, an equal slice of the pie. And if that happens and when that happens, it sounds like it's going to be almost inevitable in the next couple of years. And Clemson would certainly likely try and follow. What is the ACC? And we already know the pack is gone, and the Big 12 has done everything it can to remain relevant, and I think their leadership is strong. But we are truly looking at AFC, NFC type stuff, where every year you look at that 12-team playoff, and it is going to be chock full of SEC Big 10. I mean like... 10, 11 out of 12 every year. And I don't know if that's good for the sport, but I sure think it's going to be the reality. I was going to say 14 of our 15 teams in our way too early poll today at 24-7 Sports are from the SEC Boom. or Big Ten. Yeah. Yep. With the there addition of Texas and OU. One, one more note that I'll add to Ole Miss. The mm-hmm. primary weakness of this year's team, despite going 11-2, and two, was they weren't strong enough or big enough on the defensive line. And Lane Kiffin goes out and signs three of the top five available defensive linemen in the portal. Mm-hmm. So they got better at the position they needed to get better at. And I, I just think Lane Kiffin, the way that he he goes forward on fourth down more than any coach in college football that hasn't come back to haunt him yet. And if he goes 10-2 and two next season, there's a great chance that he's in that top 12. Agreed. The, I, I think – and I'll, I'll, I'll get us out and get us to break it because I want to make sure you two – gentlemen get to speak way more than myself i i do think when it comes to this conversation and the going back to the question that i asked because it really all ties in which are what are the major off-season topics in, in college football i think there's we're all going to be in for a big surprise somewhere at some point in time by by somebody wanting to get out of where they are for whatever reason that may be or conferences merging or, or some type of movement within the sport it, it just you never know what you don't know. Clearly, we don't know everything. Well, I mean, Phil does, but the re- the rest of us, we we don't know anything essentially. And um, and I just think that there's going to be something that hits this summer, it'll, and it'll probably be a guy like you, Brad, that ends up breaking it. 
and we're all going to be head exploded. You know, North Carolina all of a sudden, you know, working back channels, or maybe it's something we you can't even dream of at this point in time that nobody is talking about because it's just not a hot button issue at this moment. And then it will become one, and it will become a part of the conversation as Florida State will be. Is Florida State in the ACC in 2025? No. I don't think no. so either. And, and I will Clemson? say this. If, if the ACC starts bleeding teams and we start seeing that league deteriorate, then you're going to have the East Carolinas and those level G5 programs trying their best, their one opportunity to joining one of those leagues. I don't, I don't think it will happen, though. I think the ACC will not be um, yeah. will not exist anymore if you know the big four or five leave. I 100% agree with you, and I've said this for a long time. I think we can all collectively agree on this, right? Like, I mean, unless something drastically changes, to your point, East Carolina, App State, y'all ain't getting into the ACC. They want nothing to do with you. They're not letting you to sit at the big kids' table. It's not going to happen. I'm not they saying don't have I agree SMU with money. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it's they're a thorn in the side. They, they don't even want them to exist. Right. They want them out, but they're not going anywhere. Go Pirates. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. The we'll jungle. See. The jungle, right? We've all been Crazy, to the jungle. Crazier things have Dowdy happened. Thicker. They, turned, they yeah. turned their nose up to West Virginia for all those years. And, and, and then, like, you read last year, oh, we, we talked about adding West Virginia to the league. You know, like, you should have added them instead of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. But you're, you you thought of yourself as some paragon of academia, you know. Then Maryland leaves, and you add Louisville. Go check their academic. <laughs> I mean, you, you can get in there with a driver's license, right? Oh, um, you know, I mean, it, it's ridiculous. The ACC has made so many bad moves as a league. Uh, it, it, anybody that cares about football that's a member of that league should just be disgusted by by every. I mean, right on down to. We could have had a twelve team playoff this year, but they they got in bed with uh, the snakes from the Big Ten, and that league is terrible for college football. I don't care what anybody says; they are a bunch of self self serving, hypocritical snakes that cloak themselves in academia and virtue that was and nobility. COVID for sure. They, they I mean, they tried to unilaterally unilaterally cancel the sport. They they formed this stupid alliance because they're pissed off because the SEC beat them to market with an expansion. And, and now then they go raid little brother and just stab him, stab him in the face, stab him in the face. That's been their little partner in crime for all these years. They're the reason we didn't have a national, true national champion until 1990 freaking eight. Them and the, the idiots at the Rose Bowl. You tell me that league's good for the sport. It's not. They're a bunch of charlatans. And the ACC fancies themselves as, as a Big Ten. Well, we'll see what happens, you know, because unlike the Big Ten, which has made all the right moves, right or wrong, the ACC's made all the wrong moves. That's a great and, point. And I couldn't be happier because of the history there with the University of South Carolina and the ACC. <laughs> what goes around comes around, folks. Yeah, and the thing is, like, for for the last couple of years when all the Clemson rumors, I've repeatedly said, folks, I'm not an attorney but I, people smarter than me have told me that Grant and Wright's deal, like it is, there's no loopholes. You're not getting out of it. But what Florida State is doing is basically saying, and they're going to their donors, we're going to buy our way. We're not, we can't get out of the contract. But what we can do is spend enough money that we can do our own deal and just not get paid. I mean, that's what SMU did. 
uh, they are they're not going to win some lawsuit. All all that all that type of stuff is is nonsense. But if you really want out of a relationship bad enough, there's ways to do it. I think they have found the way to do it, and they 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 believe they've got enough financial backing to take the hit. And so I I just think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. And uh, if that ha- what is the ACC at that point without Florida State? Because it took a while for Florida State to recover. They went through the doldrums there for a while. Uh, but they've got the coach. They've got the momentum. They're, uh, as I like to say, a volcano program. Just a matter of time before they erupted. And now I don't think they're going to stop being really good for a while. Uh, you lose that and that brand. As a conference, you're in trouble. They leave. Clemson leaves. Where do they end up? Just quick predictions here. Florida Big State, 10. Big Ten. Yeah. And Clemson? Yeah. Both both to the Big Ten. That would just be – this is not inside information. Let me just say this a thousand percent. Okay. Um, are you hearing that? I don't know what yeah. Somebody's blowing up. Um, That's not on mine. Uh, so, so what you're telling me, you're what you're. Well, hold on, Mike. You're trying to tell me that that what, what's we're about to create the best rivalry in college athletics between Cal and Clemson, and the Tigers are running from this to the Big Ten. Let me. I, I don't. I don't want to be on record for this. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'll let Brad take it from here. I'm just telling you. You, you mean I, the, Stanford and Syracuse aren't going to exist? <laughs> the. Let me just say one thing. Clemson could wind up in the SEC. So so could Florida State. But the assumption that those are the top two targets of the league, I'm here to tell you from people that I know and trust, is a very incorrect assumption. Okay? The SEC already has Florida. The SEC already has South Carolina. And with 16 teams, the way it's built, the way it's constructed, everybody gets an equal share. You have to ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? is adding those two programs to already a brutally difficult conference that makes a lot of money. You're, you're, they're, they're, everyone's going to get about $100 million in a couple of years. A big, big 10, SEC, everybody else is going to be a fraction of that. So if you're, let's just say, South Carolina, and you're getting that $100 million, do you want Clemson and Florida State in that might lower the average per school rate? The way that Southern Cal and UCLA – got ticketed into the Big Ten is Fox Television said, we will spend extra money right. to make it so that not only will you add these two teams, but you'll also make more money per school. I don't know if ESPN is, is going to do that for Florida State, Clemson, and the SEC. I, I don't know. It's possible, but I'm just saying it's not automatic. The other thing is, if you believe some of the reports out there, North Carolina and maybe even Virginia could be more attracted to the SEC. As crazy as that sounds, for different reasons than Florida State, Clemson. Brad, you correct me if you if if you just if you're hearing different stuff on that. But these are the things that I hear from some of the people I talk to. No, Florida State to the Big Ten is the the only league that I've heard the last six months, Mike. And I think Florida State really damages opportunity of possibly getting to the SEC with all this vitriol and reaction that came out of not making the playoff. Remember, this is a ESPN-owned playoff, an ESPN-owned bowl season, and essentially ESPN and Greg Sankey, the SEC, they're, they're in bed together. ESPN c- controls college football now, for lack of a better phrase. 
And Greg Sankey's comments last week about how, yeah, we told Georgia and Alabama in case either of those schools did not make the playoff, we told them how to react. Well, the ACC and Swafford did not, you know, follow suit there. Mm-hmm. So um, FSU right now, as far as the money in college football is concerned, is a bit of an embarrassment these last four or five weeks. Wow. Wow. That would be – I you, you when we have these conversations, um, right and rightfully so, fans – Fans have the conversation from a from the fan standpoint, and then the real conversation has to do with the money, because I think a lot of fans, like if you ask me to money aside, there's no we're no money involved. Okay, Brad, Mike, if you say Clemson, Florida State, what league do you want to play in? If you answered anything but the ACC, you are nuts. Because you can walk out there and win the league every single year. It's not any good. If we're talking about just college football, right? If yeah, Will Muschamp will still be the coach of South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can, but, but you go to the Big Ten, Clemson ain't winning the Big Ten every year. They're not winning it every other year. They're not winning it every five years. They're not winning it every 10 years. Uh, this, this is, this is a clearly, it's a money. It's a deal. money. Yeah, right. It's, it, it's a, a hundred percent a money deal. And, I'm not I'm not being critical when I say that because if I'm the head coach of an ACC team like Florida State and Clemson and I see an era where every Big 10 program and every SEC program is making 30 million, 50 million dollars more a year than I am a year, not over 10 years, a year. You don't think some of that money eventually makes its way to collectives and NIL money in recruiting? You don't think that's a competitive disadvantage? It's a huge one. So that's that's the push here. It's not because we hate the ACC and it's just a how am I going to compete? Like Dabo Sweeney and all they got to look in the mirror and say how are we going to keep up if there's that big of a discrepancy? Fascinating, fascinating stuff. We're going to um stay here we're, we're gonna we'll, we'll fix the break situation coming up in hour three we're gonna stay on topic with brad to try to maximize the time that we've got i understand according to uh our screen here we have skipped jc's lunch breaks we'll make sure to get that in at twelve fifty eight. sorry guys <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> i'm just i'm just listening we just get a lot of uh, questions in the chat about Jim Harbaugh and his future. Yeah. And- well, that, that was a question I had for you, too, with what you're hearing there. So, Brad, you know, let's reset this a second because, yeah. you know, this has been – there's a lot of NFL openings. I He was a successful NFL head coach, regardless of the fact that he got fired after going 8-8 eight and eight in his fourth year at San Fran. We we know the story with the entire family. Um and uh, I, I, Jim has not signed a contract at Clemson or at Clemson in Michigan. Uh, they have offered him a contract. It has not been signed yet. He spent 20 minutes this morning uh, being peppered by, about paying players and, and unionizing and all this stuff. We're, we're 12 hours removed from the end of the Daggum National Championship game. And some of these guys cannot wait to talk about how much money we need to pay players and how we need to make sure that they all unionize. I'll rest my case there. Um but uh, I don't even know if the Big Ten or Michigan is going to have Jim Harbaugh roaming the sidelines next year. A lot of us think that he actually won't be there. What have you heard, so, and what do you think? So his agent expects Jim Harbaugh to be the highest-paid coach in college football next season, which would be about $12.5 million. That's what it would take to re-sign Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. If he does leave for the NFL, I know Brian Kelly has been 
you know, rumored within the industry of leaving LSU to go to Michigan. I think Sharon Moore is going to be the immediate hire there. He's going to get the first interview. I know that. Um, Ward Manuel, the AD there in Ann Arbor, loves Sharon Moore. Obviously, Moore is what, 6-0 and as an interim coach. He beat Ohio State this season without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. So I think that would be a good hire. And um, I don't I don't know if Brian Kelly would, would leave LSU after two years for Michigan. He probably would because he's a, you know, mid 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 east i mean not not mid eastern but a big 10 type coach so um if if harbaugh does go to the nfl though i think it would be the chargers that that's the big fit for me that's what phil said earlier have y'all been communicating no i said commanders that's, i'm i'm wishful oh, thinking yeah you're right? way off yeah yeah that's <laughs> why did happened. they fire ron rivera that that was kind of surprising to me it was interesting, yeah, to do that. I have no idea with the ownership change. I figured they'd give him another year or so, but I think with the number two pick, they're going all in and just let's do a complete rebuild. That's what it feels like. Well, the Titans have just fired Mike Rabel. I mean, there's just fired. I just called that game where they yep. beat Jacksonville, yep, right. and <laughs> everybody was all giddy and happy. Like, boom, you're fired. The the talk there is Vrabel could replace Belichick in New England. I don't know. And I felt like wow. those hardball comments were kind of indicative of him actually getting out of the game. You know, why why carry that with you into the next season after talking all that stuff about because you're going to be the, the player union guy. This is what you're going to go after because it, it's going to dominate all the conversations you have with the national media. It's the perfect See, time for him to leave right now yeah. on top 15 and 0. So mm-hmm. you, but you, do you, so you, to, just to clarify here, do you think he's going to be in college football with Michigan next year? I think he has coached his last game. I, I don't. I, I would agree with that. I don't. I'm, but it, but if Michigan offers him twelve and a half to thirteen million dollars for the next, you know, eight years, and he has some Jimbo Fisher gargantuan buyout, maybe maybe he stays. But I don't know if if I'm a Michigan fan, I I wouldn't be uh, too upset if Harbaugh go ahead and leaves for the NFL. He's already accomplished what he set out to accomplish in, in Ann Arbor, and that that was a win after championship. So he's done that. Hard to well, believe this not, is a coach that three and a half years ago was asked to take a $4 million pay cut or, in order to keep right. his job. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and, and Will Muschamp beat him. Anybody remember that? January 1st, 2018? Beat yeah. him down there in the Outback Bowl yeah. and everybody well, wanted to run him out of look, town. He, he lost to Ohio. I mean, he did. He he pulled a Dabo. He lost to the, the biggest game of the year. He lost it five years in a row, just like Dabo lost to the Gamecocks five years. That gets you fired 99 times out of 100. But yeah. they kept him. I think the alma mater discount a little bit helped. Uh, they kept him. They gave him a four million dollar pay cut after one of those five in a row to Ohio State. And he's like, "All right, he he took it with pride." But then now it was like when he finally beat Ohio State, he's like, "Okay, now, now guys, uh, I got the leverage. Not only are you going to give me that four million back, but you're going to give me a hell of a lot more. And I'm going to flirt with every NFL team that." comes my way and there's nothing you can do about it and that's what's been going on in Ann Arbor almost on a yearly basis JB you you mentioned biggest offseason storylines earlier if if Nick Saban did retire this spring and like you know a we have a Bama coaching search across the internet it would just be wild man for for college football and then look at a school like Ole Miss probably top 10 preseason they could lose Lane Kiffin to Alabama I, Man, thank you. That's how, how crazy it could get. I'm the. Do you believe? So, are you a Kiffin to Bama makes sense guy? Because I am. Kiffin and Dan Lanning are the top two calls for Alabama. 
the the ship has sailed on Dabo Sweeney because he does not embrace the portal. I, I have said repeatedly with these guys here that I think Lane is the perfect fit because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. They'll pay him a ton of money. He doesn't walk in there with any – there's no pressure on Lane Kiffin. He was offshore fishing the other day when Quinshawn Judkins said he was going in the portal and he posted a picture of a shark that said catch and release. He doesn't care. Like, that's the perfect guy to replace the greatest coach to ever do well, it. Well, you, you can have that laissez-faire attitude at Ole Miss where they're just happy if you win eight games. That ain't going to fly in Tuscaloosa, and I think he's <laughs> smart enough to know that. So, yes, they call him, but I think Lane's like, sorry, bro, I'm good. I got a lot of money. I got a hot young girlfriend. Uh, I got great restaurants going on in the square, and I'm living my best life. I don't need to follow six national championship Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa and get roasted every time I lose a game. You know what you do when you lose a game at Ole Miss? The fans go and party and drink and wear beautiful sundresses, and they, they forget about it the next day. They don't live like that in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I think you erased 10 years of mental health gains for Lane Kiffin by going to Tuscaloosa. I don't know. If <laughs> I don't know, though. I mean, the challenge has to – That's a, it's a challenge, and, and you know, I, I think it's going to take a certain type of person to go in there. I think Dan Lanning would be an atrocious hire for Alabama as of right. Do you really? I don't, I don't, okay. not, not a, not a, he's good. And he's, he needs to prove some things uh, as far as where I'm sitting. I, I do think this, I think a jo- the, the perfect job for Lane Kiffin, nobody wants to talk about because it is a pressure cooker in a special kind of way is the university of Florida. He oh. fits. He's the type of guy that has gone in there and won. And he fits. Wow. Cause he just doesn't give a damn. And and who the two guys that have won there in their own way hadn't given a damn. Sterling Meyer acted like he did, but he really we found out later he didn't. What's the twenty four seven equivalent of Big Spur Swamp thing or what? Oh, Swamp twenty four seven. So Brad's been on that message. You've seen that message board meltdown before. I think you're going to make it. You're going to make it after those comments. It has nothing. Florida. It has it. Yeah, it has nothing on Big Spur meltdown wise. I mean, I'm sorry, Big Spur has nothing on that one. I mean, in the middle of games, like oh yeah, you would not believe some of the crap that they post about Billy Napier on that. Board. So anyway, so, that's my, my, my two cents. So to be online. clear, if I if I'm following correctly here, so when Brad is writing his column, um, we're able to keep this straight. When Billy Napier leaves to replace Saban in Alabama, Kiffin's going to Florida. I think Kiffin's going to Bama, and then the old Miss vacancy goes to Jamie Shadwell. Oh, oh. and all that's this happens trick, in the though. summer of 2024? Wow. Or no, no, no. I don't know, man. Oh, man. College football think, is unpredictable right now. I'm convinced that Saban is convinced. I can win one more of these things and ride off into the sunset. I'm convinced of that. Not with Jalen Milrow, he won't. <laughs> Ooh, well, I mean, ha- look, had old boy not left to go back to Notre Dame and play lacrosse, that would have been his guy in 24. No, we we saw the writing on the wall when they took Tyler Buckner in the spring that quarterback yeah, issues were going to be a Exactly. And, and when everybody in the stadium knew – on that final play, Milrow was not going to throw. He, they, they knew they had no confidence in him to make that. But they also need to start recruiting guys like Julio Jones, Amari Cooper. Like, where have all the stud wide receivers gone? Because there, there haven't been a ton of them in Tuscaloosa lately. They have not had a thousand yard receiver in three years. Ouch! That's a power stat and a power hour. Yep. And they're I, 
offensive line needs to get better, which is coached by Eric Wolford. Actually, the entire Will Muschamp staff is at Georgia and Alabama, which is crazy to even think about. Here's how wrong I was. I was asked, just off the top of your head, who are the top two quarterbacks in the SEC this year? And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say Carson Beck. Not a bad pick, right? And Tyler Buckner. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I said that on the air in Tuscaloosa, so I was trying to – yeah, I don't know. Make I thought cold Tyler freezing would be takes better. on Twitter. I mean, I, I thought think, Devin uh, Leary think, would be all SEC caliber, and he was not. Yeah, it was like the, I think the Gator Bowl stuck with me too much because Tyler was pretty good in the Gator Bowl. I think that's what you I get thought, for. I thought LSU was going to win the West. I didn't realize they'd have the worst defense in Baton Rouge in quite some time. Like, like, Bunch of guys he's fixing that, that quickly. And I'm, yes, I'm telling you, is. that guy from Missouri can freaking coach, man. Yeah, he can. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he can. Brad, before we let you run, any uh, final words of wisdom on what we saw in 2023 and as we slide here into the new year? Yeah, Gamecock fans, don't panic yet at the quarterback position. I think South Carolina is going to sign a portal guy, and it might even come after spring practice. That's probably a very level-headed take, Brad. Nobody has to worry about the Davis-Bevel era. What? Why would you do that without just throwing some that, darts at a dartboard and getting that, everybody up in arms? Come on. That would be the worst since the Victor Penn or the Dickie DeMaisie or the uh, oh. Kevin Sides era. Wait, I got the trump card. I once covered a Gamecock spring game with the two starting quarterbacks in a, in a cold rain were Kevin Sides and Kyle Crabb. I remember Ooh. that. Google it, kids. They 20, do need to wrap Sellers and bubble wrap, though. He, he shouldn't hit the ground this spring. I don't think he will. Yeah. I agree with you. Brad, I, don't think I can only imagine what type of list and this, that, and the other will be coming out here soon in the short term from you. And then we're really not far away from all the spring ball stuff and then the way too early. I mean, you've got a jam-packed next five or six months to get everybody ready for 251 days from now. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It never <laughs> gonna, ends, does I'm it? I'm going to be in Columbia uh, Monday night for the Georgia game next week. So anybody want to stop by courtside and say hello, man, feel free. Wonderful. Sweet. Nice. Fantastic. Fantastic. Come to twenty well, eighth. We'll have a whole uh ITG party. I'm I'm calling the game against Missouri. Yeah. Oh, cool. Jamie's gonna be there. See if we can get JC a party bus from Chicago to Columbia. We'll get Phil to come from Greenville short drive. That would we'll, be we'll epic. Get... I could come and pick Phil up. Can you imagine yeah. the smell coming off of that bus if I'd been driving for eight hours on a party bus to pick Phil up <laughs> from Greenville? <laughs> hey, <laughs> It smelled like hot dogs and ass. <laughs> Crapper's oh. full, Clark. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> anyway. Brad, thank you so much, man. We're, <laughs> we're glad had a great time. Uh, we'll have you back here very, very soon because something is bound to happen. And uh, when we do, we'll have you on to discuss it. Thanks, Brad. The You're the best, dude. The you do a great job, man. You do a great job. Thanks for what you do for college football. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brad. Brad Crawford, 24-7 Sports. You're probably now going to take a shower. All right, final hour coming up inside the game comes the show built by the Barn <laughs> Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington at the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating get yourself the three amigos bundles for tailgating they make catering easy with a fresh hot setup and again you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up you can also look them up online or you can even download the app salsaritas is just a cut above the rest that's why they're serving williams price stadium and the south stands also serving in the colonial life arena again that catering hotline number make it easy for you and the folks out there you don't need to settle for sandwiches every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 rescues and resin proud supporters of carolina rise they are also proud partners of the show they make products you can't get anywhere else custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate make your home or make anything stand out Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I know, I know that Mike and JT have the uh, fivers and dimers of television, but like if you had to do fivers and dimers of like all time songs that will never age, that's a dimer on steroids, right? It's never going away. Hold my hand from hitting the blowfish, let her cry. Those songs will never disappear. 
you're the man, Darius, Mark, Sony, Jim. I got your backs. Don't worry. I got are, are your they backs. tuning in? Are we, are, we, are we big with Hootie? Mark, well, Mark watches us a lot. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Crack Rearview was one of those back in the day where, you know, because, you know, you'd release an album and then you'd release the singles off of it. But I don't think they released a single off that album that wasn't a hit. That's back when albums were like. Yeah. It's, it's one of the best selling albums of all time. Well, it's up yeah. there. It's probably up, probably in my top top fifteen albums of all time. Probably up it, there with it, um, of a lot of a uh, lot of eclectic stuff. So. Now the follow up to that though, Fairweather Johnson gets a lot of love and play in this house because my wife just absolutely loves it, but not a lot of people. It was not well widely received, which I don't understand. I I love. I absolutely. I agree. I absolutely love uh, love that album. Fairweather Johnson. I'm trying good. to find the exact number of albums that it it was one of the only albums for a long time that was certified like quadruple platinum or something ridiculous. Clint goes Master of Puppets by Metallica's a dimer for him. That's a very good if you like Metallica, and I have a good friend that loves loves Metallica Bo. Metallica. Um Appetite for Destruction would be up there for me. August and everything after by counting crows. Uh, New Jersey by Bon Jovi. <laughs> That's a good album. Uh, Act Tongue Baby by U2, which I'm going to go see live in Las Vegas with my wife at the Sphere Super Bowl. We, I'm, I'm, I didn't realize it was Super Bowl weekend when I booked it. So I'm going to be in Vegas for the Super Bowl, which is cool. Whoa. What in Tupac shot during Super Bowl weekend? Was that the Tyson fight? In Vegas? Tyson fight. Tyson, Tyson fight. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. So yeah, those are some of my favorite albums. But uh, I like, I like. I mean, nowadays, man, it's like anything you want music-wise is at the touch of a button. Yeah, Pearl Jam, Ver, uh, Ten, great album. Nirvana's Nevermind, great album. That's a diver. Dave Matthews under the table and dreaming. I like. I'd also like Crash. Uh, Crash was a good Crash. Good Crash before these crowded streets were like. Very yeah. more than solid Dave Matthews albums. So. Crash is a Dimer um, Solomon concert in Charlotte. Incredible show. Frampton Comes Alive is a badass album, by the way, Ed. I'm, I'm going to give you that, brother. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, Led Zeppelin had so many, like, their 20. stuff spread out all over their houses of the holy, I guess. I mean, I mean, but they really have hits on just about everyone. I mean, uh, we're, 23, we're, by the way. 23 million albums sold for Cracked Review. Actually, I thought it, I would have thought it was more than that. Um, yeah, now, if I mean, if we're going to mix genres here, I'll go The Chronic. I mean, if, if you grew up yes. in the 90s, that's when hip-hop, it, it didn't get any better. Uh-oh. Um, Mark Kingston, line one. <laughs> New, edition. <laughs> New edition? New edition, whatever. Like, hey. So Kingston's on, Mike, the other day. Kingston's on, and he's like, uh, Rick, what's your favorite Christmas music? Well, I kind of like the new edition Christmas version album. of last new Christmas. Edition. Hey, I'll go Mr. <laughs> Telephone Man on a dimer. Hey, he, he, I'll go Mike, Mr. He, Telephone Man all day long. King texted me on Christmas saying Merry Christmas and sent me a YouTube version of new edition singing last Christmas. Oh, <laughs> heck yeah, dude. You, you, you can't actually listen to this with your family on Christmas, right? Might as well go a little Belle Biv DeVoe while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, Since the two are kind wham, of connected. Wham, make it big was a good one. 
Uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller and oh, Bad. Thriller's of Ben Franklin. Fr- I think Thriller's, thriller's the best-selling album ever, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's what got me in the music. Uh, I got the, I had the Michael Jackson jacket, like the, the Thriller jacket, the red one. Yeah, yeah. I saw Michael uh, on the Bad Tour back in 19, what was that, 86? Yeah, to see yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah, that was good. I don't know, man. There's a lot of good albums out there, but uh, nowadays it's, everything's at the touch of a button. It's, it's uh, And I'm like, if it's not on iTunes, it's not music, <laughs> you know? So it's uh Craig, it's I'm weird. with you. I'm with you so, on doggy style. This would be oh, a great topic style, yeah. for like July 5th because we, yeah, <laughs> we could go three hours on this. Not, not the day after the national not, championship. Not six game. hours of probably not the, the day after the national championship. Basketball game. Basketball yeah. game tonight. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna break down uh, the best Kiss album of all time. No, no, no. We'll we'll save that for mid July. Yeah. Or not? Mm-hmm. We, well, we we could do it. Well, here. I tell you tonight, Mike. In, in well to to transition, which is what we were going to do anyways, uh, on in, in in the show strictly, just yeah, about yeah. Show. You're not having anything removed. No, 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 nothing Maybe like a, that. A boil no, list, but other than that, wild, weird <laughs> conversations that your neighbors now have around the dinner table. Um, <laughs> yeah, tonight at seven o'clock, South Carolina will touch the floor <clears throat> in T Town with a chance to improve to fourteen and one, two and zero. Oh, in the SEC, and if they get the victory there, it'll be the first time, you might remember it, Valentine's Day, 2009, Darren Horn's first year, Mike Holmes' tip-in at the buzzer. You called it. Yes, I did. Uh, and that's the last time they've won in Coleman Coliseum, where yeah. I tell people, don't walk in and look up at the ceiling. You'll run into the next closest thing, because it's, it's, it's puzzling why they decided they needed all those stripes up there. But... Um, <laughs> There, there are. I love having this conversation with you because there are so many different angles to be able to discuss this game uh, tonight. Um, we'll talk about Alabama. Who is Alabama in just a minute? But take us back to 2009. First of all, hmm. almost 15 years ago, the last time they won down there, it was a, it was a wild day. Yeah. And by the way, Jared, I am not drinking Merlot sideways. Dimer. Um, I uh, that year you had four last second wins you had at Baylor this is when Scott Drew was turning Baylor into a thing at Bama you had Devin Downey at Kentucky hitting the mid-range floater fadeaway I should say uh, in the final seconds and the fourth one I gotta think what the fourth one was I'm going on memory and it is like 15 years ago but yeah uh, Kerbrell Brown had a had a game winner Holmes had a game winner. Oh shoot! How could I? The Florida Miracle. Yep. Uh, the 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 Florida Miracle. It's one of your calls. One of your yeah, best yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe it. I don't I was, even. I was courtside for that. Oh my I goodness! Like, yeah, that, that was insane. And I feel bad for the TV crew because they got the wrong name of the guy that uh, hit the winning shot. That's that's a no no. Um, oh, wait yeah. a second. Did they really? Yeah. Because yeah, I was at the game. They got. They got their. I'm not mentioning the uh, the guy. Who did they the say one. hit the shot though? You don't have to say who called it. Who, who, uh, who did they say hit the shot? I don't you know, know. but they, they didn't say Mike Holmes. They, oh. they said somebody else on that team, and it was like the Jeez. wrong guy. Which is every play by play's worst nightmare. I mean, you. Oh, you're talking about the Alabama game? No, no, no. I'm talking about the Florida game. Yeah, what, what, oh, the Mike pass Jones? ahead, Holmes. Okay. 
Mike Jones was not on that team. That Holmes to Frederick. Back. Frederick laid it. No, Mike. <laughs> Mike. Oh gosh, the Mike Jones. Mike That's Jones. a whole other story. Like they had to move heaven and earth to get him in, and the kid never really turned out to be much of a player. Um, we originally went to Syracuse. I wonder why. What was so attractive about Syracuse? Must have been the weather. Um, anyway, yeah. So the the, the infamous uh, Holmes to Frederick. He said somebody else. The TV guy did, and it was like, oh, yeah. But um, no, I remember. I remember. I remember all those games at Coleman, and Coleman is a frustrating place to play. The crowd is not that loud. People ask me all the time, like the most intimidating venues in the SEC. Alabama's never number one in that category. Uh, Auburn has become that under Bruce Pearl, but Alabama's not, and it's it's a different kind of gym. It's kind of looks like where you'd have a rodeo. Um, they're finally going to get a new arena. They certainly deserve one, but uh, – um, now, for whatever reason, it's a tough place to play for a lot of different uh, teams. Um, since you brought it up, I, I got to just give one, and I've got Mississippi State, Tennessee tomorrow. Um, I'm mm-hmm. leaving for Starkville tonight, and then I've got Auburn on Saturday uh, against LSU. But the the my favorite number of this Gamecock basketball team, and you're going to hear me praise this kid until you're sick in the face over it, sixty-five to fifteen. 65 to 15. Assist to turnovers. For who? For Talon That's right. Do you know how insane that is? That's over 4-1 to one for a college point guard. That doesn't exist in college basketball. It does not exist. And, oh, by the way, he's efficient with his numbers. I think 40 from three, around 50 for the from the field, good from the line. I don't care that he's not averaging 20 a night. He's averaging, I don't know, nine point something. He is everything that I thought he would be. Um, somebody asked me, what are the keys to beat Mississippi State? And uh, I, I already know what I'm getting out of Cooper. I don't even have to make him a key. The kid plays good every night, so he's not a key. Uh, the key for me was don't get demolished on the boards, win the battle of the three-point line, be prepared to win a game in the 60s, not the 70s or 80s, because that's the way you do it against Mississippi State. Mission accomplished. They won the battle of the glass, which is insane to me. Um, and and they won the battle of the three-point line, which I thought they would. And the game was where I thought it would be in the 60s. So everything that I thought needed to happen uh, happened, even though it got off to a little bit of a precarious start. But that's a big win. That's, uh, that's an absolutely um, impressive win. And I'll, I'll just say this, in terms of the Alabama game, um, I think one of you guys said the point spread's like double digits, right? 11 and a half. Yeah, don't, don't be fooled by the fact that Bama's lost five games. They are Their schedule has been brutal. They have just a murderer's row schedule. Mark Sears, really good player. Grant Nelson, really good player. Uh, Estrada is solid. Now, they don't have what they had last year in Brandon Miller, and I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I loved calling Brandon Miller games because that dude was just special. And the game at Columbia that I called on ESPN, where they went back and forth, and then Gigi wanted to guard a mano a mano in OT, and Brandon just smoked him. Um, the, the, that was one of the most entertaining games all year. It was a lot of fun. Now, there was a lot of drama surrounding that game that we could do a whole show on. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 th- this is not going to be an easy game. And the fact that Alabama almost lost to Vanderbilt, don't fool for that. Don't get, don't get fooled for that. 
Jerry knew he had to win a conference game to kind of turn the momentum here of that season going on in Vanderbilt. They took Vanderbilt's best shot in a place that's never easy to win. Bama tonight will be an extremely difficult game. So if it doesn't turn out the way you hope it will, don't don't start getting all negative. Don't don't flock to, oh, you know, we're not that good. No, this team has been a great story regardless. Winning on the road in the SEC this year is going to be brutal. It just yeah. is. So you try to steal one where you can, and you hold court at home the best you can, but make no mistake about it, Mississippi State, mission accomplished, big win. Tonight is going to be a very challenging game. Yeah, it's a top-10 team, and then you got – or a top-10 team by the net, at least. I think Alabama's number – one or two, Tennessee, maybe it's one of those two teams that's at the top as far as net rankings goes. I think Bam, one's fifth and one's sixth in the country. All right. So after this, you got Missouri on the road. They're certainly beatable. The dogs went out there and beat them in Como. That's not an easy place to play either. But, you know, it's not, it's not like it's a matchup nightmare. Uh, and then Georgia comes to town and you've done pretty well over the years at Colonial Life Arena against the Bulldogs. So, you're right. I mean, you just take it, take it as you, you're not going to win every game. I, I tell, I tell people basketball is not an undefeated sport, right? Nobody. I mean, if you go undefeated, it's almost bad. Ask Don Staley, ask John Calipari, but that loaded team he had one of the best basketball teams I've ever seen. Incredible. They run into a, a Wisconsin team, but Lamont Paris, I think was an assistant for it. Hey, absolutely was. Um, and, uh, be, down go the Wildcats. I mean, it's mm-hmm. ask the UNLV running Rebels in 1991 how easy uh, how basketball is not an undefeated sport. So no, especially you know, you, you just got yeah, you just got to win your share. I, I thought I thought Saturday was a long way went a long way towards saying okay, you know, this is a good Mississippi State team. Um, their style of play obviously gave Carolina problems early, and then Carolina, you know. You looked at that with the teams. How are you going to respond? And they responded. So good for them. You know, I was talking to JB. We we, we agreed it was a tough matchup. And I was like, Carolina's got to match their defense. And then they're not good enough on offense if South Carolina's defending them well to win the game. I don't think. You know, and I was worried about the boards too. And early they dominated, but then Carolina just with sheer will and Murray Boyles and scrappiness. I mean, they didn't have even they didn't even have Bosman's Verdunk, who's been a rebounded machine, and still out rebounded the Bulldogs. So, yeah, I look. I think at the end of the season, we're going to look back at this Mississippi State game uh, as a huge win. It might be a quad one win by the end of the year. They're good. They're good, Mike. And and, and tomorrow night, that's going to be between them and Tennessee. That's going to be a fist yeah, fight. It is. Uh, it really is. And then it's you Tennessee's look at the game. Really good. They're really good, and and you know surprisingly, a lot of people don't realize this. Um, as good as both those teams are on defense, Gamecocks are better by the numbers. They're number one in the defense uh, in the league in defense is South Carolina, only giving up sixty three points per game. Now that's going to be tested tonight because they get the number one scoring offense in the SEC and number two yeah. nationally in right. the Tide, and that's a gym that I think they've gone over a hundred five times this year in mm-hmm. Coleman Coliseum, so they light it up. Yeah. So. You know, specifically for Carolina, this is a this is what you just did to win that game. Different story tonight. You can't get into their brand of basketball. You get beat, no. and when you get shots down the floor, Mike, as you well know against Alabama, you better hit them because they're going to hit their share. 
Yeah, I know the common narrative for a lot of people out there examining Alabama basketball is they live and die by the three, but that's not 100% accurate. And, and talking to Nate Oates dozens of times over the years, I can tell you that he gladly takes easy twos. So their whole goal is layups, dunks, and if that's not their threes. So you can't just rely on Alabama having an off-shooting night, and if memory serves, they're 39% behind the arc. But, you, yeah, you want them to obviously be chilly from outside, but you also you do not want to let them uh, just straight-line drives, kill you off the bounce, get easy buckets. That, to me, is just as concerning, if not more, because I have confidence in, in Carolina's guards and their rotation and guarding the three well. But Alabama is a team that can go downhill that we all know Carolina's not a very big team. Uh, Josh Gray doesn't play a whole lot. I think we've already covered that um, for those that believe he's going to be in the NBA. Um, he's very he's – very, it's a team that has to rely on other things, quickness, uh, getting in the right spot, et cetera, et cetera. And they're, they're so well coached that they do that well. But be just as concerned about Alabama – getting easy buckets as you would be about the three-pointers because they don't always win games just hitting a bunch of threes. Yeah, that's what happened to Frank's team down there a couple of years ago. Bama was cold early on, but they just kept getting inside shots. I mean, second-chance points, things like that. Uh, and then, of course, the Gamecocks went cold inevitably, and they heated up, and it was, I think, a 20-something point uh, basketball game. Mike, I'm wondering – all right, so here's a question for you. Will there be more points scored in the basketball game you're calling tomorrow or in the Ole Miss-LSU football game? In the Ole Miss-LSU football game? That was 55-49. Oh, 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 from this past year. The game you're calling tomorrow. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. uh, Versus that Ole Miss-LSU football game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there will. Look, Tennessee, we all know Rick Barnes' teams get after it. I mean – they're they're nasty on defense. This team scores a little better though. They shoot better. Uh, Viscavi has been there seemingly twenty seven years. Ziegler is good. Uh, Josiah Jordan James from Charleston was at Port God, right, uh, Jamie? Um, uh, Porter Porter Gowd. Porter Gowd. Gowd I'm sorry. Uh, he's been there one hundred and fifteen years, and so they're old, and they're skilled, and. I think this Tennessee team is better than the last few that Rick's had, quite honestly. Um, you know, I, I think they, they're they not only going to D you up, but even as uh, salty as State can be defensively, I think Tennessee is going to be a hard team to, to, to get under 65 all year long. So I'll take the over on that, JC, but I like where your head's at because Mississippi State is a team – my concern with State is – They've got a lot of guys who are not necessarily wired to score. They've got, you know, talented players, but they're not the most explosive team offensively. So if Tennessee gets off to a good start, um, you know, it, it becomes problematic. And, and then the other thing is if you're Coach Jans, who I believe is a really good coach, and you already lost one, you're 0-1, there are going to be quality teams this year that go 0-2 in the SEC. Sure. There, there just are. Like Florida just lost at home against Kentucky in a game they could have won, but they didn't. And now they go on the road, I believe, at Arkansas. Um, and Arkansas just got throttled by Auburn. Auburn so, at home. So you got, at home. 
there's something off with Arkansas. So you got two teams that could be good teams, but they could be 0-2. And so there, there's going to be quality teams in this league that wind up, you look at the, at the standings on the internet because nobody reads the paper anymore in the next few days, and you're going to see some good teams that are 0-2 in this conference. Did, did it surprise you LSU went into A&M and won by 15? Yes, and that's another one. Guys, I don't know what the deal is with A&M. Because they've got almost everybody back from last year. And Wade Taylor is one of the best guards in this league. Uh, and I, I don't know what's going on. The two most baffling things for me this year have been A&M and Arkansas. Uh, and Arkansas, you know, the portal, just kind of like it is in football, but even more exaggerated than basketball, it's not always a net win. It's not always a net gain. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it, it Right now, I mean, I, I don't know if they're getting everything that they thought they would get out of the portal guys in, in Fayetteville. I know we got to step aside. I'm going to give you a little nugget for the game tomorrow night. If you already know this, you can tell me to stop in my tracks because I know you you prepare for games. So, um, <laughs> little 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 known fact for here. Maybe it's a well widely known fact, but if it is, some may have forgotten this. Josiah James or Josiah Jordan James and Aaron Neesmith teammates. Were, teammates at Porter Gout mm-hmm. one year apart Aaron has now been in the NBA for four years that's and right Josiah is still at Tennessee that's right yeah crazy to yeah. think about uh, and Josiah was a McDonald's All-American and broke a lot of South Carolina hearts by by leaving and quite honestly the first couple of years he was not a big factor um yeah. he probably would have been better off staying going to Columbia or something but um you know he's he's kind of embrace what he is, which is a good college player. I don't know if he's a pro. And four-year guys typically don't make the NBA these days. But, you know, he's still out there giving max effort, and he definitely helps them win games. By the way, the Joe Lenardi, uh, I just got my email. Joe Lenardi just gave me – just gave his uh, list here. Why don't we tease oh, that? that? I'll, I'll have it. Yeah, for you tease that. Let's let's hit a timeout. Um, there you go. That's that's nice. Just ahead of tonight's. That was game like that was Talon Cooper. Like I just I just dropped that's a dime. Yeah. Well, Woo. very well done there, Mike. Very well done. And when we come back, you can make it much like Michi from way downtown and sink one for us here on Inside the Game. Michi, the show. <laughs> Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. 
Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. Final 25 minutes or so here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show live always from the Signorama Studios. Signorama is the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks. Speaking of the Gamecocks, next time they are home, they'll be taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. Have one more quick road trip after tonight's contest in T-Town. The next one is to Columbia, Missouri. Uh, It will be on Saturday at 3.30 Eastern to face the Missouri Tigers. After that, an upstart Georgia Bulldogs team coached by Mike White will walk into Colonial Life Arena next week, try to get a victory. And uh, you can look good by going to Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com. If you're not in the Midlands, if you are somewhere else, not near the village at Sand Hill or out in Lexington, they will get you fired up and looking good. And there's always something for sale that's cheaper than what it was, as in like clearance. If you go to the website gamecocktraditions.com click on the sale button there's tons of stuff that is on clearance that you can purchase uh, from t-shirts to bags to koozies to magnets all kinds of stuff little remote control uh, remote control gamecock toy trucks if you've got a young buck in the family that likes to play with stuff like that or whatever it may be shop gamecock traditions 
It is a tradition amongst Gamecock fans. Cannot thank them enough for what they do for us. It is South Carolina's largest Gamecock Under Armour dealer, GamecockTraditions.com. Mike will be back here in uh, in in just a, a moment, and uh, we'll get into the uh, get back into the Joe Lenardi stuff with him tonight. By the way, is a good night in college hoops. Um, mentioned this yesterday that there could be a lot shaking up if you haven't uh, checked out the schedule second rank houston is only a two and a half point favorite on the road at iowa state at seven o'clock this evening um you've got 25th ranked texas on the road at cincinnati cincinnati's the favorite by five and a half points in the game top ranked purdue's on the road at nebraska purdue is a seven and a half point favorite jc it's on peacock so if you don't have the peacock app you can't watch the ball game the Boilermakers and the Cornhuskers from Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln tonight. Seven and a half point favorites are top ranked Purdue on the road. Nebraska's having a nice year. They are 12 and three, two and two in the Big Ten. Duke is just a five and a half point favorite on the road at Pittsburgh. Uh, BYU, 18th in the nation on the road at 14th ranked. Baylor, Baylor is a four and a half point favorite. Have y'all seen the new Baylor uh, basketball arena that they built on the Brazos? I've been to the old one a few times. I didn't even know they had a new one. It's brand new. It seats like seventy five hundred or so. It's beautiful. It's uh, <laughs> everything there's beautiful pavilion, but they're yeah, doing they what money. a lot, a lot of money. Well, yeah. Well, they're Look, doing what what a lot of teams are doing. They they built a, a, a I think it's a two hundred twenty one million dollar arena that don't that seats less than eight thousand. So they're building these state of the art smaller arenas, packing them out, doing the whole. You know, sweets thing and this, that, and the other. Anyways, 17th-ranked Colorado State also on the road tonight at Boise. They're just one-and-a-half-point favorites uh, in Boise. And then you got 22nd-ranked Creighton on the road at DePaul, 19th-ranked San Diego State at San Jose State, some late-night top 25 games on the road. But all those other ones that I mentioned to you just a little while ago, including keep an eye on A&M at Auburn. Uh, A&M obviously didn't play well at home this past week. They're trying to get it together. It's hard to go in and beat anybody in Neville Arena. But, but there's a lot of ranked programs that are on the road tonight with very, very difficult contests, uh, and that includes the top-ranked team in the country, as I mentioned, uh, at Nebraska. The SEC slate, by the way, involves Missouri at Kentucky at 7 on ESPN and Rupp, where the Wildcats are favored by 12.5. Clearly, our Gamecocks against Bama. And then also at 9 tonight on the SEC Network, Vandy is at LSU. Vanderbilt is in danger of falling to 5-10. and 10. Zero oh, and two in the SEC. Yeah, LSU they're, they're the one. Two and zero. What's that? LSU can start two and zero in the league. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, the, the I time, and I've had LSU. That the time to to have gotten them was early, before they got the uh, the Cook kid, who's another one of those two time transfers. He started at LSU, then went to Tulane, and then obviously uh, with the new coach, Will Wade, not there anymore, wanted to go back. And waited for a waiver. Well, he is their he's their Talon Cooper, so he had to they had to wait. Now that they've got him, they're a different team. Uh, LSU is is legit. Again, I'll have them uh, at Auburn uh, next week. Former um, Gamecock Trey Hannibal still playing for the LSU. still playing, and and honestly, the same guy. Like just puts his head same down, <laughs> plays like a plays like an outside Touchdown. linebacker running downhill. Yep. Um, he missed his call. He'd have been a heck of a slot receiver. Oh, my God. I mean, that body, every time I see him, 
Uh, I'm like, how are you not playing? Yeah, strong safety, maybe like a, a spur. I mean, he has got the body, the athleticism. He wanted to play ball. and Been around forever. Comes off the bench for them, but honestly, he's not. He's the same player he was South Carolina. Like nothing, nothing has really uh, changed there. Uh, why okay, do we, why do we pay attention to Purdue basketball? By the way, before you you get to the Lenardi thing, yeah, yeah, why? they're just going to lose in the tournament. Why? Why? I mean, you know, Purdue, you, and then they got a creepy mascot you, and not very good looking women. Well, I'm not touching that one. It's the yeah. worst campus I've ever been on, talent wise. By the way, Lots I've never been to West Lafayette. It's tough. I went there for a camp. I've been all over the country, Mike. I drive through there when I go home. Yeah. And I don't stop. Well, you, you do know the Big Ten hasn't won a national title since Michigan State in 2000. Right? Wow, it's been that long. They've had a lot of teams in the Final Four, but they have, I guess they haven't won. And Michigan they ain't won one since 2000. Wow. And, 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 and somebody asked me the other day, like, what, what's happening with the ACC's decline in basketball? <clears throat> the the answer is the the top 100 recruits the last three years have been going the, the majority have been going to the SEC. It, it so it, it's not just a football thing. It's not just a football phenomenon. Uh, recruiting is being won by SEC schools because they and got they great just, coaches. Got great coaches. Uh, the facilities have caught up, and the money is there, and the exposure. Every game's on national TV. Like it, they got it all. So it's it's happened. It's something I've been waiting on for uh, years and it's uh it's finally come to fruition um okay i tease this lenardi just issued his up to date he's got the sec with eight teams in he's got florida as the first team out and georgia being considered he's got mississippi state last four in Mm -hmm. uh they are currently number 44 overall he's got ole miss in as a nine seed texas a&m as a nine seed and South Carolina in as a nine seed and number 34 overall. And the opponent tonight, Alabama, he has as a six seed, number 24 overall. Auburn is a three seed. Kentucky on the two line. Tennessee, he predicts uh, winning the SEC as uh, a number two seed and number five overall. So that is the latest. What does that tell you, Mike, With for South Carolina? I mean, there's 17 games left in the SEC. What does that tell you about – because he's usually right. Let's just be honest. He's like I mean, 98 99%, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there could be a team or two that he misses there at the end, you know, last four-in type deal occasionally. But outside of that, he's right. So it, it, here we are on January the 9th, South Carolina projected as a 9C. What, what does that tell you about the Gamecocks and what they need to do in the league? I think you've hit the hammer on the head, uh, Jamie, from from the opening tip, to use a basketball metaphor. Some people have these numbers in their head that are antiquated and like, well, you know, we got to go 11 and 7. To be... No, no, you don't. <laughs> 9 and 9 with a 12 and 1 non-con and potentially two non-con quad one wins. You're in. That's it. You're it's 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 in. So, I mean, the goal is to be above 500, obviously. But there's going to be a team from the SCC that likely gets in under 500 in conference play. That would not surprise me at all. Now, that might not be Carolina because you don't have as strong a net as some of the other teams that schedule just crazy. And even if you lose half the games, it doesn't matter. You're rewarded by scheduling hard. Um, I think what they did this year was exactly what this team needed. 
the way they scheduled their non-con, if you overschedule, yeah, your analytics might look good in early January, but you've deflated the confidence of a, of a team you're trying to get to gel and you know a dejected fan base that uh, was told that, that Lamont Paris was a bad hire, told by people that don't know what they're talking about. And so now you actually are off to a good start. You've got confidence. You've got juice in the building at Colonial Life Arena, especially when the students get back. You've got people talking college basketball. I mean, a year ago, how much of the conversation today on the show would have been college basketball? Would have been talking about a running backs coach for three hours. Right? That's all they still want to do. I think we started previewing baseball right about now. Yeah, yeah. Break down the non-con schedule for for Gamecock baseball on January the 9th. Um, So – I think they've done everything that they're supposed to do. And now you just, again, you, you have, try and steal a couple on the road, win, win the majority of your games at home, and then you're golden. I said all along the goal, if this team could make the NIT, that's progress. But the fact that we're actually legitimately talking about the Gamecocks and the NCAA tournament, and you've got Lamont Paris winning a National Coach of the Week award or whatever, um, I mean, it's it's cool. It's just it's nice to see the relevance. And I'm going to say this till people are sick of it. Uh, Gamecock fans love basketball as long as the product is a good one, and support basketball as long as the product is a good one. There's very few. If this team actually continues to win, you'll average for conference games probably in the neighborhood of fifteen hundred, fifteen thousand a game. That'll be top twenty nationally in attendance because most schools don't even have an arena that seats that many people. Um, but but this has always been a fan base that will get behind basketball as long as long as you're competitive. And you got a first and second round predetermined site about fifty minutes up the. Re- <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I think uh, the basketball guys don't want me to talk about that right now, guys. So I'm just not going to mention it. Okay. Is, that, is that is that cheddar popcorn you ate in the last? Yeah, block? first Who? second. <laughs> uh, there was no cheddar popcorn, but there was, uh, <laughs> there was some grapes, some healthy stuff. You'd be proud of me. Uh, oh, but all no, right. uh, It was uh, no, but the first and second round in Charlotte. I mean, they have that's a, that's a thing, you know. And yeah, I know cool. when the Gamecocks <clears> played in Greenville. For whatever reason, and it drives me crazy, this fan base is probably more likely to show up in Greenville than it is in Charlotte, even though Charlotte's closer to Columbia. There's some mental block, I think, when you get to Carowinds with some of these folks. But uh, <laughs> it, 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 I think that's that'd be big, you know, because there's no reason Gamecocks uh, won't gobble up a bunch of tickets, and uh, oh, that would help, uh, you know. Certainly. I mean, there's other spots: Brooklyn, Indianapolis, Omaha, Pittsburgh, Salt Lake City, Spokane, and Memphis, but. Uh, uh, you're kind of eyeing that a little bit, you know. Oh, maybe uh, we are, we are, we are really, we're jumping all in. Yeah, one game here. in to the yeah, SEC one game schedule. in. We're talking tournament sites. I love it. This time next month, they're like one in twelve in the yeah, league. Right, and we're like, right. oh well, right. uh, maybe <laughs> next year. <laughs> you beat Alabama tonight. It's like what? What's the average flight cost of the Final Four? Um, yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's, it's in Phoenix again this year, by the way. It's like, in, it's there again, we go. It's in Phoenix again. Back so. to Phoenix. Oh boy, it's fate. Here we go. It's, it's absolutely They were just fate. there. They just beat Grand Canyon and won the uh, ever popular Arizona tip off. There you over go. In Phoenix. But there's there's hey, a lot hey, of Grand Canyon's been, a Q1 win. The Clapper has them. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Yeah, they, they can Bryce well, Swat, I, I, Bryce Yeah, it goes Clapper. back to the scheduling talk anyway. It was like, just don't lose any Q4s. 
That's all you yeah. gotta do. Well, Skip that's what Snake bit Carolina for years under Frank. Mm-hmm. It was it was that one gut that, punch loss. That loss to Stetson cost him a tournament. year before the year the tournament was canceled. That that one was just terrible. I mean, because they had beaten Virginia and Clemson on the road back to back. Yeah. And yeah. kind of had turned it, you know. Uh, I think they had lost to Boston U earlier that year, but it was kind of a Q3 loss, not a Q4. Right. And Stetson was god-awful. And it was just yeah. it was one of those games between Christmas and SEC play. And uh, it was one well, of those lesson, Frank, lesson learned games. You know? Frank, Frank liked to prove a point in November, December. Uh, if it, if he liked to prove a point with some of his guys. And I'm not being critical here. I'm just – this is what happens sometimes God, every now and then a guy'd get in the doghouse and he'd want to deliver a message and you know it's sit him and where you know you can win that game if you play him but uh, sometimes i mean look dave ran into this with ronaldo balkman those two are at a standstill by the way somebody asked me the best dunk you ever seen live the best dunk that i've ever called at any level was a atlanta hawks game last year against memphis ja morant i like little guys who can dunk i'm not impressed by seven feet guys that can dunk on a 10-foot goal. Uh, but John ja Morant, of all six, one of them, was just doing what I thought was a routine drive, and he just elevated from just inside the free-throw line and yoked on two big guys. And I'm just like, oh, I've never seen anything like that in person. The best dunker that I saw uh, for the Gamecocks was Ronaldo Balkman. And if you go back to that second NIT run in the Garden when they disposed of what? It was in Michigan and Louisville? Ronaldo Balkman put on a friggin' dunking display. He was yeah. he was mad. You know, I used to call him the plastic man because he just he was like six eight, long and lanky, and you could twist him like Gumby and and he knew that there would be some money at the end of the line if he uh performed well. He did. Isaiah Thomas was in attendance, and the next thing you know, he spent a first round pa- uh, pick on Plastic Man. The best line I ever heard about that was from K Mac, who said, I wonder what he did with a signing bonus. Probably bought like 27 cases of Fruit Loops. Ronaldo was just a different dude, but but a freakish athlete that had some incredible dunks during his time in a Gamecock uniform. I was about to say it all worked out because he got drafted by the Knicks in the first round. That, that was like, the beauty. The beauty of Isaiah, is, like nobody else was going to take him in the first round. Y'all know he's still playing, right? I follow him on Instagram, and he's still playing overseas somewhere, right? Yeah, he, he's playing. Uh, I don't know where it is. Somewhere, like, somewhere. Man, that Od- oh, Dave Odom should have been fired. I would never say this to Barry Sanderson now because we're good friends, and obviously he needed a job. But that Dave Odom should have been fired after that second NIT. That that, that was the most disappointed in Eric Hyman I think I've ever been. Because see, that's when he came out with the war chest, war of chest of credibility, and 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 Dave ended up with two losing seasons, and the program <laughs> oh, sunk anyway. Man. Uh, and and, and dude, that that second NIT title team, there was no excuse for that team not to be an. In, the, not, totally they really agree. could have been a Sweet Sixteen team. Absolutely, At that, JC. That that team had Sweet Sixteen written all over it. Uh, there's no question. And I'll say that I don't want to take a trip to Negative Town, but I have to just throw this out there because it's in the past, so we can focus on the positive and, and think back to this. Eric Hyman made three basket, four basketball moves that will forever uh, live in infamy. He gave Odom an extension at that point after the Worcester credibility move. Then there came two just awful seasons in the cellar in the SEC. Then with several great young coaches or established coaches that would have taken a, an SEC high-paying job, he got Darren Horn 
for a little more than 500 grand where everybody was like, Darren, who? I mean, Western Kentucky fans are like, take him. He took us to one tournament in five years. We're friggin' Western Kentucky, a longtime power at the mid-major level. So then he takes Darren Horn. Then he extends Darren Horn after going to the NIT and losing in the first round. That's three. Then he hires Frank, and then eventually Frank gets fired. Those four moves yielded one NCAA tournament in 19 years at an SEC university. Those four Eric Hyman moves, one tournament in 19 years. If that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what does. Uh, it's a great point. It's a, it's actually a microcosm of the history of Gamecock basketball. I mean, there's just been a lot Bad of decisions, head scratchers. <laughs> You know, uh, and, and decisions we, we, that look good at the time, too. I mean, well, I mean, like I, when they I let was, go of George Felton, you know, like should they have fired George Felton? I mean, they get, you know, I, he just won, 20, their, he won 20 games for the first they time. They turned their game. back on him, man. I mean, you know, he had, he needed a little bit, he needed a little bit of help. Need some help. And, they didn't, and, and, yeah. and look, and he had everybody back next year, first year in the SEC, and they hire Steve, Steve Newton, who was terrible. Who, who with JoJo English and Barry Manning and Joe Rett and all those guys couldn't Joe Joe. Yeah. couldn't go but th- couldn't win but three SEC games his first year. Uh, that was bad. Uh, the fact that you know the Bobby Crimmins thing hurt. I thought McGee did a good job getting Fogler in there, but then all of a sudden Eddie Fogler the game changes. I think the game changed on Frank too. Quite frankly, uh, the game changes, and and then you get a chance to hire Bobby Crimmins again and heal the old wounds. Yeah, and you don't do it, and you go hire. Dave Diamond Dave Odom, who hadn't been to the tournament once in five years at Wake Forest, living on Tim Duncan, uh, and, and, and Dave was a great guy. But come on, man, yeah, you know. Well, and that was after he went. At, he he interviewed Bob. He went after Bobby Knight. He went after Jim Calhoun, two guys who were never going to take the job. I will say this about Mike McGee, who, by the way, him and Eddie Fogler, you you could not have had more of a contentious relationship. That I was I was just started doing work on the Gamecock network during that time. And it was downright awkward. Um, I had a game years ago. It was like Auburn at Texas tech and Tubby Smith was the head coach. And of course, Tubby was a former assistant at Carolina and has roots to the state of South Carolina. And I said, Tubby, I've always wanted to ask you something. When I was in Columbia, there were a lot of rumors that when, uh, when the coaching change was made and whatever year it was that, you were one of the first people Mike McGee called. And I was hearing people like boosters were telling me, it's done. Like, Tubby's coming. He's going to leave Kentucky, and he's going to take a South Carolina job. And he said, Mike, I'll tell you something right now, and I've never said this to anybody. I was this close. And if I had to do it over again, I would have taken it. Because eventually we know what happened to Tubby. He could never live up to Patino. He got fired. And that pretty much ended his career. He, he went other places. It didn't work out well. Tubby almost came to South Carolina and I think he would have done a fantastic job, honestly. Yeah. Look so at what I, he did I give at McGee Georgia. credit. He, oh yeah. Look at what he did at Georgia 16. before he got to South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. He was oh. man. And I remember that prime. almost happened. Jim Calhoun kind of gave it a thought too, because he's got a house. He kicked the tires. Yeah. All that. You know, I, I, I but look, you know, hey, at the, once once it got down to Bobby Crimmins and, and Dave Odom, they're kind of the same guy. On the other side of their ACC careers, Bobby's one of you. You're on. He yeah. could recruit. Dave was kind of a find it. Dave got some good players, and he's he's just a, 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 a you know dig them up kind of guy. Whereas 
Crimmins would have gotten Zam Frederick and Devin Downey and all those cats. And, you know, it would have healed some old wounds. And, hey, the, the results may have been the same. Maybe Bobby Crimmins, I think everybody in Game Cut Nation would have celebrated back-to-back NIT oh, titles a, a little more if Bobby had won them, right? But no, no, no. Doubt. No, no we got to stick our head. We got to watch him go to College of Charleston and win. And we're stuck with Dave Odom and his 45-minute opening press conference. He's a good guy. You know, don't get me wrong. Dave Odom's a good guy. And the whole time, really, you should have hired Greg Marshall. You should have freaking hired Greg Didn't Marshall. even interview him. Eric Didn't even talk to him. And Hyman had a chance to hire him twice, uh, did not even interview him. And there was all talks. It was, you know, Greg's wife was mouthy and all that. Whatever. Well, she was, obviously. Yeah. See her at Wichita State? Yeah, no, she I was get hammered. It. She but was the, three sheets to the damn wind, just yelling we, at the well, rest. I'll say, I'll say this. He's a piece of you – know, I know, I know. What he, what I, he did I, I down know. here to Scott Eisberg, if I was Eisberg, I would have done the same thing to him right there and, and put him up on the wall like that. You don't do that. I, you know? I, don't, I don't know that story. Uh, yeah, they, 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 he brought – Physically? Wichita, he got in Eisberg's face and put his hands on him. He said, Scott said, I'm, don't touch me. Oh, you know, wow. just all know and that. on all eyes. I've known Scott Eisberg for years. Yeah, yeah. Scott Eisberg's one of the best people out there. He's fantastic. His, his Scotty, Scotty's as good as they get. And, yeah. and they were just down here for a basketball tournament, at the Charleston Classic, and they right. do the welcome dinner at uh, the Yorktown. And Eisberg saw him. Clearly, he's a South Carolina guy, and he went over and he waved at him, and he had his camera, and he said, "You have just like he did every other coach. That's why those coaches are there." Right. That's why they're there to be interviewed, be, walk around and get do meet with the media and mingle with everybody. He said, yeah. "You got time for 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 a quick couple of minutes." And he stared at him and didn't really say anything. And then Iceberg asked him one more time, and he told him he grabbed him by the shoulder, told him to get the f out of his face. And he's not doing an interview and all this stuff. That's not what I'm here for. Leave me alone. I've got a coach. I've got things to do. Wow. And Iceberg was like, "Greg, I, I'm sorry. I thought we this was what this is all about." You know what Iceberg did? Put it on TV. I don't blame him. And I guess that, that, yeah, I, I know began he's to unravel a lot of what was going on with but, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we all saw what ended up being his downfall at Wichita. I mean, that was yeah. over but, a parking space. I, yeah. I, look, but, I, I yeah, get People it. think I get Frank it. Martin's a bad person, right? Because he cusses during the games. But but then Greg, they want Greg Marshall as the coach. But back then, I'd have probably I'd have probably given old Greg about eight years and well, let he him did go to lead Wichita to a Final Four. And yeah, and then let him win some games, and, and he'd slit his own throat eventually. You know, right? If if he, if he finally did, went too far, you fire him and you, you take the banners with you. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, to been. not interview him to me, like you you put him on an, if you if that's his reputation, you put well, him you on a no it. tolerance. Yeah, you, you got to interview. Him. Of course you do. And, I mean, there's a lot of butt, butthole basketball coaches out there, guys. I mean, oh, it's not like they're like this group of like fun loving. Yeah. They're not like baseball coaches who are weird and quirky and fun, right. and you drink a beer with them, or football coaches who are neurotic. These yeah. guys, basketball coaches, are sharply dressed ass wipes. Most of them. <laughs> they hey, are. Lamont, they you hear this? Lamont, not you, not, next not time Lamont. we have you on the show, there you go. You can address it right here. <laughs> Lamont uh, is a Lamont's an all Phil, all the time. Phil's a nice disclaimer. Guy. Go ahead, and put the disclaimer but down think here. That about, is not think the about, thought of Phil or JB. Think or about Mike most Morgan. basketball coaches. And by the, the way, egos. Mike's going to be calling a game tomorrow night. Mississippi State, Tennessee, with very quality gonna, people as coaches. And and Rick, Rick Barnes, who is an awesome human being, and yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah, I like Chris Rick Jans Barnes. is a great dude. Yeah, I've I mean, actually I'm had just, a beer with. Like, these are good folks. I'm just saying there are some basketball coaches out there. If you want to have the a hole meter, 
It's way, no question. way up there. there way there's up no there. question. There's people that have done worse things than Greg Marshall that are still coaching. Uh, yeah, right. That's that's no <laughs> doubt says, about that without naming names. Greg Marshall's going to end up at Clemson after Burnell's fired. I don't think Brad Burnell's getting fired anytime soon because I think he may <laughs> no. win the ACC this year. Brad <laughs> no. Burnell is like the cat with nine lives. There's nothing. I mean, he's a good. He is a really good coach. Not a not a super. That's a difficult job. Uh, to me, but, that's much more difficult in South Carolina, and that's that's and a difficult job. He keeps you know finding players and coaching and winning. I mean, yeah. you know, that's all you can ask for. But uh, yeah. anyway, sharp. We are all over the map. Oh, tomorrow, <laughs> time. Uh, tomorrow. Oh, would you uh, look the, at the time? Made pretty good the, time. The Basketball <laughs> Coaches Association is uh, going to join us. Yeah, yeah. Let's. <laughs> yeah, that's up, up next. You can find JC on Mark Ryan's show in the Upstate. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> JC and Chris join that's Mark not a, Ryan. Coming Mark up Ryan's not very game. sharply dressed, can Jamie? No. <laughs> well, Brent Skinner can fix all that. Just saying. Yeah, and Brent Skinner kick him out on his butt. <laughs> He's not allowed at BP Skinner, man. He's banned from Columbus. When did this show go sideways? We were just I'm doing sorry. a little bit. Uh, we're we're a point. Point. Well, JC last August, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's just fun. Well, now yeah. that we'll never get a basketball coach on our program, uh, uh, Lamont is good people. You'd be, we'd be pleased to be joined. Yeah, Lamont's Lamont. good. Yes, we will have Lamont on some point. If any of you don't mind, please refrain from making big, bold statements about college baseball coaches because I know about half of them and uh, would love to have all of them back. I like most baseball coaches. They're really oh, cool He said dudes. they're good and quirky. He, he, he gave yeah, that a compliment. Because the said, sport's quirky and they're just like, they just kind of sit around you know, and say things like, come now, blue. You know, <laughs> put to the hump and spit seeds. And they're my kind of people. That's basketball exactly right. coaches dress way too nice for me. I'm just like I'm just like nah. I mean I, I I'm the Bob of the Bob Huggins, uh, tracksuit era of basketball. I like those kind of basketball coaches. Well, now you can get yeah, away with that. It. Yeah, that you half can these really, guys don't wear a suit anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, after COVID, it was a lot more after relaxed. After COVID, it's like ah, it. I don't need no stinking suit and tie. I don't even know if Lamont owns one. I don't. I've never seen it's him quarter wear zip all the way, man. Which is hilarious to me because I've been wearing Gamecock quarter zips since college. Yeah, and all of a sudden it's like people. Have to, I mean, thank, thankfully, Gamecock Traditions is loaded up with you. You can go buy as many yeah, as you man. want there. Uh, so well done, Lamont. Nil deal incoming. Quarter oh zip. yeah, Frank was a great dresser. I'll say that Frank. He was. Frank Martin Frank's, now. Frank's he was until COVID, dress, and then he started dressing in these. Uh, he was tight. Tarps. Yeah. He, he, he was, well, until COVID, you know. But yeah, until, before that. Well, dude. yeah, pre pre COVID. Uh, hey, uh, we ate at this uh, for our rehearsal dinner. We ate at this place called Don Ramones. Cuban place in West Palm, you know, Frank Dixie Cuban. Highway. Nah, seriously, the face of Don Ramon, it looks like a young Frank Martin in the face. Yeah. Like, he just, I like, think it was actually Frank. I, I thought about Frank the whole time. We were, I was sick. I'm pretty sure that Frank like, is Don Ramon. Like, Don he's, uh, he's not coaching you, know US. Don Ramon's like, I, we walked into this joint, and the guy walks over to our table where I was sitting with Mad Dog and his wife, and uh, who else was with us? I can't even remember. It was it Joel? And uh, the waiter, and then we got to go, says, what can I get you to drink? You not order anything but mojitos. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I was going to ask for a bourbon. Is that not allowed? No, mojitos. It's Tequila. only mojito. Oh, yeah, Why ask? A, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was I part of the mojitos. I see. That was what I should have been there because I could have, I could have finagled that. But yeah, but, but hey, the mojitos were pretty solid. I thought. I mean, I he told us on the whole, like what was to be the Cuban oh, yeah. experience, there, which was start with mojitos, and then as soon as you've had your fill of those, just switch over to sangrias. Which well, I mean, when we went to order, I. You know, they gave you the option. You could order the fish, you could order the chicken, or you could order the beef. I said, you know, I'm leaning towards ordering the fish. I just wanted to eat something a little bit lighter. I said, I'm leaning towards ordering the fish. Is it good? Uh, order the beef. <laughs> I had the fish. It was good. I actually had the fish because I, I was sick that night. And my appetite was gone, so I was like, I'll just have the fish. Yeah, I looked at Phil. I was like... Yes, we're getting the beef. It's, uh, apparently, the, the beef fish is not it's worth it. Damn, he was a lot like hash. It was really you missed it, Mike. You missed it. You I'm sorry. I was calling a game in Gainesville, but still yeah, made my... it. Still made yeah, it. Yeah, you the still reception. made it like a champ to the reception. Like a champion so. drove That's four and a half hours down yeah. south, seventy five, ninety five, and was ready to rock. Set made up it to this... the party bus. Made it to the reception. Made it to the Ben after, after party. Party, yeah. which was unreal. Those are great. That was yeah, first class. That was, so. that was that was big time. Anyway. Well, guys, I'm <laughs> off tomorrow heading to Columbia. I'll see you on Thursday. <laughs> I'm off to Starkville. See you guys on Thursday. Luckily, Mad Dog and I have a nice uh, – oh, I guess he's really – yeah. Uh, you he's, know. Out. He's, he's out. He's out. He's out. <laughs> Thanks to Ryan Brewer, ryanbrewer.net, Ryan Brewer Fence. Thank you, Brew. Get your fence. Get your – get your. you won't do better. Get your free appraisal. Get your all that good stuff. Ryan Brewer and Gary Patterson, pillars of the ITG community. I hate to say this, but if for some reason something gets blown over in this storm and it is a fence, that's who you'll want to call to get it. Definitely call Brewer. RyanBrewer.net. Mike, safe travels to Starkville. Great game you'll have tomorrow night, and we'll see you on Thursday. Enjoy it, guys. Have a good one. Thanks to Brad Crawford as well and Hale McGranahan and all of you. See you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.